everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Shit Podcast. It's episode 40. Uh, I'm talking a little soft because my fiance is sleeping right now. It's kind of late, but this one's another Ask the Chief where we're kind of recapping some of the stuff uh, from some of the previous episodes and talking about some new stuff that's been going on with him. Another great interview. I'm super happy with how these are going. I've got two more that, uh, that we've done recently that are pending, right? You guys will see them come out soon. Uh, working on some other stuff as time permits. And then just so everyone's aware, surgery next month. So I might fall off the radar a little bit. I'm going to try to edit and schedule the release of episodes so the content doesn't stop. But if I'm unable to respond for a little while while I'm recovering, uh, just bear with me. And uh, there was some weirdness with the microphone. Uh, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what happened because of the subsequent interviews have been fine. But that you'll hear... In the audio of this interview, there's some weird spots where it just kind of trails off for some reason. Um, it's not me turning my head away or something because I, I keep headphones on while I do this. So uh, I would hear that in the headphones because uh, I have constant monitoring. So I'm not really sure what happened. I think it was just like a glitch uh, with Zencaster, which is what I used to record the interviews. Um, but it is what it is. I think it, it, was, it was good enough to publish. I, I didn't want to waste the interview. Um, and next time I'll, I'll make sure that we kind of test that out a little more thoroughly. I usually do like a l- quick little test, make sure it's recording and then we roll. But, but yeah, just, I apologize for that glitch. Uh, but with that, uh, I hope you guys enjoy the interview. So just give me like a quick rundown of the course. Um, so that we have like, cause I, for anybody that listens to this, go back, listen to the, cause I'm going to, I'm going to carry this name on over and over again as we go. So they know it's you. Um, but just your, your background is in the first ask the chief. If they want to get that, they can go back and listen to that one. So just give me the background on the course that you're teaching right now. Uh, and then we'll get into the, some of the, some of the stuff you wanted to talk about in relation to that course. Okay. Yeah. So I teach the, uh, uh, the perspective communications LCPO course. So it's a big thing that a lot of rates are pushing out. There's actually, um, at least in the submarine fleet, I can't totally speak to the service fleet. Um, but the idea was, uh, somebody way back when said, Hey, these guys are, uh, you know, people are making chief, they're going to a boat and they're just failing for one reason or another. And, some of the feedback that they've been getting or they're struggling or whatever the case is. And the feedback is that they're just underprepared to go do that job, to go fill that role, right. um, which is understandable uh, and not just for radio, but for all the rates. Right. Right. So, um, cause it's a different job. So they said, Hey, how about we have a course for that, you know, formalize something for all of the rates. And there's uh, excuse me, there's actually a submarine generic one i guess that's just a perspective lcpo that doesn't have anything huh. to do with a rate um and i think that one's that run orderly is that run where you are in, in yes. Connecticut, or is that okay yes because i the eld has like a cpo course so i was wondering if that's what you're what you were talking about but it's specific submarine lcpo yes um yeah it's like a three weeks um well i'm not sure about that one but i know that ours is for the for radio it's three weeks long um and you don't have to be a chief to go through it so like usually every class we have at least one first class that goes through it who it's you know he's he leaves one command he's on his way back to a ship so they send him through 
with the assumption that he's likely going to make it at some point and, right. and all that. So um, it, it works out well for that. Um, they also do. Uh, so th- th- that was kind of the idea. And, and it's been rehashed several times over the last few years, as far as the course material. Um, and at this point, it's a little more free floating until we kind of find what works and what doesn't based on feedback and, and, and all that. And then we're going to try to rev it a big rev and formalize it a little bit more. But um, uh, we start, we'll go through the, the major topics on it or like, or uh, when we talk to them, we'll have um, a, again, cause it's radium in specific. So we'll have like a uh, crypto rep come out and talk to us like a, a, an inspection team type person and talk to them and, and they'll let us know, you know, here's what's, here's how people have been screwing up or here's how they've been doing well, whatever the case is. And then you'll talk to um, a 3MC will come out who's somebody who's done a 3MC tour and they'll tell you what works and doesn't work, what pitfalls they see people fall into and as far as radium and go and, and stuff like that. And then we get time in the trainer and it's like, uh, you know, it's the same as any other trainer that we would go to make, run them through PD, see their frame of mind. And then, um, a lot of like you'll talk about counseling and talk about uh, relationships with the Nodia and with your navigator. The the uh, nav should come, a post serve nav should come in and talk to us, and it's things like that. But it's honestly, it's a lot of uh, kind of rehashing lessons learned, and then getting time uh, in the the dive and drive trainer, driving a boat, getting used to that again uh, in the radio room. Um, but one of the big things that we talk about the first week is basically why we fail, right? So everything is kind of prefaced as to why chiefs fail, because that's kind of why you're there is to find out how not to. And for again, for radio specific, at least, um, we, we've kind of narrowed it down to three big basic areas of concern. And then honestly, it applies to every rate, but, um, maintenance, right. For one reason or another, not doing it gaffing it off some something to do with maintenance isn't up to snuff um having personnel issues and then uh for us it's crypto is usually the big thing that gets yeah. radio yeah, in. Like the, very well aware right like the big joke in the radio yeah. or in the submarine world right it's like crypto sends you to jail yeah. um and it very 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 rarely does but but you know generally up across any other rate uh, you could just look at that as like whatever like a technical aspect of your of your job is some technical thing that that's pretty crucial right like yeah. uh for you i would imagine it's not so much like does your just the i don't know like the quality of the food it may be right. bad but like is it healthy or not healthy Wholesome, but like yeah yeah is it safe uh, to eat no, the big like, yeah the safety yeah part, like safe, safety stuff. yeah food yeah. safety sanitation it, yeah the big the big cuz i debrief inspections to CEOs and like we go in there and I've listened to guys do it and they're brief enough because we have a ton of like financial accountability and administration administration and training and all this, all the other types of stuff that everyone else has. But CEOs don't care. Like none of our stuff will ever get them. Uh, like they're not going to get an Instagram email from anybody. Nobody's going to send us a message from right, Subpack right, right. saying we're all screwed up. Like you're not going to get any kind of negative spotlight on you unless you fail an SMI. It, it, the right. only thing the CEO cares about is endurance uh, food quality and food safety. Like, do I have enough food to execute the mission? Is the crew happy? And am I going to make anybody sick? Because then right. gonna, all of those will negatively impact their ability to do the mission. 
That's and it. honestly, That's all they care quality, <laughs> honestly, quality is probably at the bottom of that list too. It is 100%. because yeah, as as much as the crew cares about it, right? And like, uh, like we, I think we said last time too that we probably run the two morale divisions between good food and email. Right, email, Sailor yeah. <laughs> uh, outside of those two things, um, you know, those are huge impacts on the ship's morale. But like, right. the, a, a bad steak, you know, okay, yeah, you had a bad steak. You're you're a bitter and you're going to complain for your entire watch because that's what we do but that that's very different from like an unsanitary steak that's going right. to keep half your crew sick. sick yeah yeah and i mean um, just to be fair they're going to complain no matter what like i could <laughs> i could feed them dinosaur True. nuggets and mac and cheese every day of the week and they would complain about too many dinosaur nuggets <laughs> i don't like it doesn't doesn't really matter like i've done i've i've tested this theory at length for two different lcpo tours it's it doesn't matter. <laughs> they will always yeah. find something to complain about and we're easy targets so oh yeah yeah um oh it's the same thing for us one email is missed out of 47 and they're yeah. complaining about it the devil. yeah like i'm the one that's holding on to it because i really right. care about <laughs> how their kids doing in school or what i don't know whatever well yeah and i get to see the other end of it uh at where I work now, I see like one, one some of the people that process that stuff for the boats, and uh, it's like they're always maddened by the like because then there's like the upper echelon that does all like the shifts for you guys, like the switching from sailor mail back oh, to regular, yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. all the crap that you guys can't control from the ship. It's like they they're idiots all of the time, and it's like yeah. they screw a lot of stuff up, and you're like just sitting there on the boat, like yeah, I mean, I can't fix it because I'm here and not there. Like, what do you want me to do? And they get yeah. mad at you, and they're like, "Well, figure it out, chief." It's it's the most frustrating thing. That's the hardest part. Is is uh, uh, aside from all this other stuff that we've been talking about, or going back to before I go back to that, my little tangent on this is like we used to always joke that. Um, we would always tell Egging that their job was easy. And of course that's like, and, and I don't mean it seriously. Like egging has right. got a miserable job. Right. But right. I used to joke like, do the, the, it's troubleshooting is easy, right? Like if you have a pipe and it's leaking oil somewhere, you find where it's leaking oil, you can point to it and say, right, there's the problem. And that's right. what I need. I need to stop the oil coming out of this. And then I fix the problem. But with, as a radio man, like, I don't know, I stick a, an antenna in the air and then I just hope to God that something from me to the other yeah. side of the planet is working properly. Like, and then I have to assume and hope that the people on the other end are competent and paying attention yeah. and they're not stuck watching ESPN's top 10. Right. Which is what's not, happening. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's some guy who's bored on watch on the mid watch and he's watching yeah. ESPN's top 10 and he's not paying attention to me the trying chat. to call him on the radio <laughs> yeah. or the chat. Right. And then my CO is over my shoulder yelling at me that I'm an idiot. And then, he, yeah. you know, it's it's the worst because I have no way of definitively not. I don't have no way. So I take that back. Uh, but it's it's harder for me to to point and say that it is not me definitively. Right. So that's that's always hard with having to play with somebody who's not there. Basically, be on a team with somebody who doesn't know that they're on your. Yeah. Team. <laughs> like, hey, we're playing the game now. Game yeah. on. No. OK, cool. Um. So, anyways, back to back to what we were going with this uh, to why people fail that we found. So, so those are like the three main areas, right? Which is pretty broad. You can pretty much stuff most everything in there, outside of you know a, a few obvious outliers. Um, and 
and then it was like okay then we talked to to the other students and it's like okay well what are some what are some causes for that what are what do you think the root causes for those things are and uh usually the stuff that we get is like um poor organization bad organization skills they just you know they papers everywhere you're not paying attention to what maintenance is due when you don't have good trackers good whatever you stuff falls off your plate because you're just not organized um and that's a skill you know it's definitely not everybody is as organized as others and i i think that it's possible to be too organized for sure um yeah spend like more time playing with your analytics and spreadsheets and tabs and highlight figuring out you yeah, are exactly. actually which colored highlight out of it yeah exactly yeah. some of it's that and then i also think that some people organize to the point of uh it's going to fail because you're too you've dialed in everything to a point that's unattainable right like yeah. it's the real world something's yeah. going to come up something's going to change one dude's right. going to have a whole, medical appointment that day whole plan falls apart because yeah, yeah you didn't plan for life happening Right. So, so, you know that, but organization as a whole is a general reason why a lot of people fail with it. Um, another one that it's kind of goes along with organization, but just time management, um, just poor understanding of how long something is going to take, should take taking too long, whatever the case is, right. Time management. Yeah. It's, uh, over promising and under, under delivering. I hear that a lot now. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's, and that's, a common thing that's drilled into you throughout the season, right? Is time management. Yeah. It's just the under promise and over deliver. And then they're always happy. <laughs> right. And then, uh, the, the third common thing that we, that we came up with at least. And again, I'm sure there's a ton of others that people have, but, um, it's just level of knowledge. Right. Right. Uh, which is funny because you, uh, I don't know. It seems funny to me because after, listening to this podcast a lot more i've tried to frame a lot of things that happen through the eyes of junior enlisted right like right. what do we do and how does that look to somebody else right so uh one of the common things that's come out of a ton of the episodes is and you mentioned it um in your last interview was that um uh or with the interview with the ls1 was the um the whatever however it came up and, and i think you mentioned it with uh, uh uh paul but um the unattainable perfection right like that right. you can't do anything wrong you're the chief there's Created obviously you know how to do all these yeah. things right yep. so so with that um people assume that you you're going to have this love and knowledge like i've heard it before like you are you are the chief this is my right. expectation and that's i feel like that's an unfair place to come from i understand that that somebody may be a chief but that doesn't necessarily mean they have the same background the same like their way to get to that point doesn't have to be any sort of standard thing so there's nothing saying that they were you know there's multiple ways to skin a cat so that doesn't necessarily mean that they are experts at the same thing that you think they should be experts at yeah and i think that i don't know there's a lot of ways to go with this but there's so there's the how they get their part right where the non-traditional because one of the best radio chiefs ironically that i've ever had before he got to my boat he spent like four years at a, a naval special warfare group because he was uh submarine disqualified so they, he went to a shore duty there and he's trying to work through his medical issues mm-hmm. so he had been away for a long time uh came back and 
had never worked in the type of radio room that we had. So, I mean, right. you got to thank the handicap of common. being out of rate for so long, kind of, and then coming into a whole new setup. It was like, oh, you're about set up for failure, aren't you? <laughs> and uh, right. he he was he was incredible. And I don't know. I'd have to talk to him at length about it. I'd, I'd be interested to see what he says. But he just seemed like the type of guy that understood that that's where he was. So he was humble enough to be like, OK, I'm out of my depth. I need to catch up and I need to do it quickly. So he relied on the experts that he did have because he had a bunch of senior second classes that had come up in that exact radio room, which ours was really yeah. old and out of date and different stuff that he he not really were. He'd like heard of it and was vaguely familiar yeah. with it. But he had a bunch of really, really smart guys that could teach him about it. He had books and he had tech manuals and he had all those mm-hmm. things, right? He had the equipment itself and trainers when we were in port that he could work on. So instead of finding himself in that position and, and using that as an excuse for failure, he just worked really hard, relied on the people that are his experts to kind of show him the, how to do it, humbled himself to be able to be taught by a first term second class. Because this guy, I mean, second LCPO tour made senior chief while he was there. It's real easy wow. to just rest on your laurels and, yeah. and not allow that to, because I did the same thing. I'd never been on a, a boomer, a T-hole, right? So like I had no idea how to load food there. So I immediately just started asking everybody for help. I trusted the guys <laughs> yeah. that I had there. And then I went to another boat and found a senior chief that had been doing it forever and had been on T-holes forever. And I was, and he was loading food and I'm like, show me, like, show me how to do this. Yeah. And I think that's when you, when you're in that position where, you're failing based on a lack of level of knowledge. Like, okay, like there's definitely some non-traditional career paths that set you up for failure. If, if you end up back in an operational environment that you haven't been in for a long period of time, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. Cause like you're, you you could catch up, I guess is what I'm saying. Like you can, you can find a a way because at at the level that you're at, you're not the one doing the maintenance. You're the one briefing how we're going to troubleshoot it. So you're putting together the plan. You're managing the people doing the work. You're you're overseeing it, right? right. Backing them up. So it's like, do you have to be as, because this is something me and Alice One talked about. Do you have to be as high of a level of technical expert as like maybe your, your most senior second class or like your first class work center supervisor type guy? Like, I don't know. I don't know if you do. I think you have to have so like the that, perspective to be able to do the managerial job that you're trying right. to doing. You know what I mean? I, I mean, it, it is hard because it's uh, that I don't think that you need to, but that does go back to like when you were talking to Paul about that, that contradicts the, you are the, I agree. Uh, <laughs> you are the subject matter expert, right? So I, I agree. The most knowledgeable person. Right. So in the real world in 2020, I a thousand percent agree that that is not, that shouldn't be an expectation. That doesn't make sense that that would be the expectation. Right. Like any, even it doesn't matter how long you could be working in that same room your entire career with no changes, which is impossible, but you're coming back from say shore duty or a different something you're coming from. If you're going from a sea duty to a shore duty or vice versa, rather you've spent three years not doing it. And I don't right. care how good you are at your job, three years and of not exercising those skills, you're going to lose yeah. something. And we're talking like it can be to the flavor of not exercising those skills. Like I went to be an RDC because it's career <laughs> enhancing sailorization and I'm yeah. trying to get promoted. But then I come back and it's like, I don't even like, I can't even remember a bunch of stuff that happened three years ago because I've been so immersed at 
trying to do the best I possibly can yeah. in this role as an RDC. So it's like that's one of the, I, I could tell you all the female haircut yeah. standards, but I don't know how to track a Russian right. submarine. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know how SCED works. Like, what are you talking? Yeah. It's like I got to a point on the car where I I learned I qualified through department head, and I I could I knew my way around SCED really well, and I did all these things, and I was like helping run spot checks and doing all this stuff. And then I got back to the next boat and I was just like, what's scared? I got to like re right. Wire my brain and learn how to do this stuff. And um, then it goes from 1.1 to 1.2 yeah. or to whatever. Yeah, no, it's yeah. So, so that kind of falls into the next pit, right? So we bring those, those three top, those three main root causes, right? Organization level knowledge and time management and kind of discuss like okay so that that makes sense i could see those being a common issue right but those aren't like the true root root causes right, right. um we used to have a, a an officer that loved to say that you have to ask five whys before you actually get to the root cause yeah um and it's some of that stuff gets a little old but i but i understand the point right because you could easily right. just be like oh it was just a level of knowledge issue right but that doesn't cut it when you have the information available the fact that you don't know it now right why doesn't is it mean a that, level of knowledge issue when all you had to do was open a book right 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 so, so what's the actual problem yeah. right so that falls into the next category which uh going back on some of the things that you touched on i think really hits on what some of those are right so um uh we talked in the past um about basically bad climates right Right. So one of the actual root causes that we brought up as to why those things become an issue is fear, which sounds crazy. But if you follow me with this, if you've got one of those commands that um, you cannot, like if you bring anything to the CO or whoever, you're just going to get flame sprayed. You're going to get screamed at forever and all this. doesn't matter how small it is. doesn't matter what yeah. the situation, right? I'm sure there's probably more people who, or, especially yeah. listening to this, that have, that have had those types of commands than not. Right. Or like so, a Jekyll and Hyde where it's like, yeah. never know what you're going to get. That was one of my recent ones where I was like, I, sometimes we would be coking and joking. Like we were best friends. Like me and me and my CO were like, we'd sit in his office and for hours talking about leadership and yep. management and personnel. And it was like, I really enjoy those conversations because he's one of the smartest humans I've ever met in my life. But then there were times and almost all of them were underway because he's stressed out. Right. Burden, burden of command's a real thing. Like, yeah. And, uh, There's a reason they so, get paid more. Right. God, I, I can only imagine. But at the same time, it's like, I got to be able to come deliver bad news and I got to be able to come candidly brief you. Otherwise, you're going to end up when you got this fear of going in there. And I'm sure you were getting to it, but the, the fear of going in there, it leads to, I'm just not going to go in there because it's super right. uncomfortable. And well, he's just going to punch me in the face anyway. So what's the point? And I got to a point where I would provide him with with forceful backup. And I was the guy that was known for Shocker being really vocal and <laughs> telling him what he needed to hear, not what he wanted to hear, especially when he would come down in the chief's mess and we'd have these like rap sessions where he'd want us to like, OK, do that chief thing. Tell me what I need to hear. And <laughs> I was the guy that would be like, OK, well, what about this? And a lot of times there'd be uncomfortable silence followed by like a, a neutral answer followed by the cop coming back around later and being like, why'd you say that? And be like, tell yeah. me he didn't need to hear that. You're like, you I said the quiet part out loud. Yeah. I like, like, I don't disagree with you, but, and it's like, no, if you're going to come down here and solicit that type of feedback, you're going to get it. 
And when I give it to you, I would expect you to take it on board, not be like personally assaulted by it. Like, I'm sorry your ego hurts, sir. But it's one of those things that we're here for. Like, I'm here to, to put a mirror in front of you and you should leverage that because I'm going to do it behind a closed door. It's not going to take away from your authority. Like, it's not going to embarrass you in front of the juniors. So it's like, I mean, maybe he felt embarrassed in front of the other chiefs, but I didn't set this meeting up. So like, I don't know what, but yeah. even when I would go into a stateroom and do it, when it was just me and him, I get, sometimes I get similar reactions. And it, I mean, that's, that's a hard dangerous. thing though. Like if you have your mindset, right. Of about anything, right. Blue is right. the best color. Yeah. And so if you come down there and say, Hey man, I, would, I just want to know what everybody thinks the best color is. And if they right. tell you it's gold and you're like, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, yeah. You're not, it's, it's hard to take those things well when, you know, especially if it's an idea that you've spent time and, and effort into like this plan and you come down and say, Hey, this isn't being taken well. Right. Like, I just want to hear that everybody else is an idiot and I'm right. And when somebody tells you like, no, you're the idiot. Like that's hard to take for any normal human. I, being. Like, I a, agree. A thousand percent. And I, and I, and we, and, hard. and I, I agree with you, but I also defend it. Like I agree that you with you in the fact that that's that's what they get paid for right that's what yeah, he came down is to ask that and to take that feedback on right and he's going to filter and he's going to make a decision with or without your recommendation right that's right. what he gets paid to do but but on in their defense that's that's like a not that goes against like basic human instincts to be able to just right take that in the face and go yeah. Okay, cool. I'm just not going to be upset about this and I'm going to move not, along. Like, I'm not telling him not to be upset about it. I fully right. understand no, I that you. he's a human being and that that's going to happen. But coming down in that type of an environment, being the person that he is doing that, knowing that he has that burden and knowing that we are that function for him. If he comes down and solicits that type of feedback, even if it's that type of scenario where uh, I just told him his favorite color is stupid, <laughs> then okay. So write that down and maybe I'm the only one saying it and everybody else agrees with you or maybe I'm backing up all the other feedback right. you've gotten and you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> right. but either way, that's the I got. There's another guy that gets pro pay. Take him up to your stateroom from the quarters and vent to him about how right. I'm a big idiot. You know what I mean? Because then you're going to tear down that communication pathway if every time you come in there to talk to us or every time I go into your stateroom and talk to you that you burn me to the ground for my feedback because I, the, like leaning on the human aspect of it while I understand it and while I would fully expect him to vent to the mechanism that he has available to him wearing a cookie to work, I don't think that it's an excuse to create that type of an environment. I I sympathize. I really do. But at the same time, like you, you raised your hand and said you wanted to be in this position and wear a command at C-Pin. So I would expect you to practice those skills and at least bite your tongue long enough to pull the cob in, close the door, and then be like, gosh, yeah. you're such an idiot. And that's fine. I expect you to be talking about me behind my back. It's You're a human being. You've got to vent. That's what I thought. always thought was so weird was when people were like, oh, he's talking about me behind my back. I'm like, so what? Like my, I'm 100% sure when I walk out of my work center, my guys are talking about me behind my back. And that is completely fine. Like They have to vent. Of course, I'm a pain in the ass. I get it. Like there are times where I'm going to give them their medicine and they're not going to like it. And when I walk away, they're going to talk about me like I'm the devil that like that's completely normal human nature. And it's totally fine for it to happen. It's Which just like, 
And that, that goes back to the, like, in a dumb thing, like, why do chiefs have separate sleeping quarters? Like, that's right. part of the reason so that yeah. you can do that. You can. I need to go be a human being behind chief. that door. Yeah. I need to go be a human being behind that door. I need right. to go close the door and be like, uh, that was one of the reasons I like for boomer sailors. Like, I don't know, like everybody hasn't even the submariners that listen have haven't all seen a boomer. But uh, there's a cruise lounge where it's like a big space for junior enlisted guys to hang out. Well, mm-hmm. E6 and below. And it was kind of weird when I first got there because there was an expectation that you knocked before you went in there. And I was like, that's weird. Like, but then I was like, I kind of get it, though, because it's not weird because we expect them to do it. And it's really cool that they have the space and I want them to have a space to escape from me. So I'm going to pre like I'm going to pre alert them to me coming in and I'm going to knock on the door so they can stop whatever. You know what I mean, right. stop saying anything that might offend a khaki. And then I'll open the door and say, hey, I'm looking for this guy. So it was, so, was kind of weird. But I, I, it's the same, it's the same exact concept. They need somewhere to go to get away from us. Right. So, so really quick aside, funny sea story about that exact situation. Um, we were sitting in cruise lounge watching, you know, burn and flick and we had a TV on the forward end of it and, and on the aft end of it. Right. Yeah. So usually if everybody was watching one movie, it was always on the TV on the forward end and the room's pitch black, right? You usually turn all the lights off so you can watch movie. Right. And we had this A-ganger, good buddy of mine. I still talk to him all the time. He's out here again, actually. Um, he made my life miserable trying to get my diesel check out. for. <laughs> they make everybody's week, life you know? miserable trying to get it was, their diesel. He's the kind of guy that, like, he's he has, like, the firing order of the diesel yep, tattoo. Yep, guys. firing order of the pistons, blah, blah, exactly. blah. Like, yeah, that's... Yeah. So, so, anyways, he's laying there. He's laying on one of those bench lockers and, and watching the movie. And I don't remember what we were watching. It doesn't really matter. But all of a sudden, like, the door opens up. But it was one of those, uh, I'm sure every boat's different, but roughly the same. Like, when you open the door, especially if the lights are off, like, you walk in and close the door really quick because yeah. you want to dark in there, you know? Right. So the door opens up and just stays open. So it's kind of bright in there. You know, everybody's looking like that weird cockroach hissing in the corner. That right. Turn the lights on <laughs> on them. And, uh. And you just hear like, so what are you guys watching? And nobody, of course, like nobody even looks over their shoulder. Nothing, right? right. This a ganger is like, what are you new? <laughs> and like, and then he's like, close, you know, close, close the damn the door. Door, yeah. yeah. And then, and the guy, and he just, all you hear is like, oh, sorry about that. And then he closed the door the and walked off. And it was the CO, yeah, of course. He's and the so, only and, one that's gonna open the door like that and be like, hey guys, what are you watching? Right. Like, and act and, like a new guy because, yeah, that's so hilarious. Like, he does that. You know, he's just trying to make his rounds. And right. He's just trying, yeah, be social, check on the and, guys. Yeah. But, like, the egginger didn't flinch, like, had his hands behind his head, propped back. Didn't, right. He just shouted it over his shoulder. You know, he's like your standard salty, disgruntled senior second. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And he shouts that and the dude walks off and he just doesn't even flinch. Still doesn't look, doesn't even care who it was, just goes back to watching it. And everybody that saw who it was looks at him and is like, dude, did you see who that was? And he's like, I don't care. Probably some stupid nub that didn't know how to shut the door when he came in. And we're or, like, no, dude, that was the CO. And he was like, oh. And then you could immediately see like that. Oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And he, <laughs> so he got up and he, he immediately got up and, you know, swallows his pride and goes over to the yeah. CO's office and sorry, he knocks sir. on his door and he's like, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't, didn't realize I didn't. You know, and, and I 
the best part though is the CEO was like, "No, I my my apologies. I didn't realize those are the rules. Like, I yeah, I didn't right. mean to interrupt." And, your space. and it was yeah, yeah, and it was one of those like that was probably the most level headed response. That, yeah, I, I'm imagining like most people that are listening to this are probably like, "Man, I should have been on a submarine." My, like, my right, yeah, stupid, right. <laughs> do not take that as the standard. That's, that's not how the every standard at all. Yeah, I mean. I have but, encountered more people like I think I've encountered more and I don't know what the what they figure into their like their PCO pipeline. But uh, I have encountered more of that like attitude. It's not always something that that specific person and their ego is able to apply in real life. But in conversation right. with them, they it seems like that's being taught. You know, what I mean, like that type of approach is being taught somewhere. I don't know if that's true. Or not. I'd be interested in to some extent, so we, so all of the, uh, uh, what is it? Um, wow, there's way too many acronyms in the Navy yeah. at this point in my day. Um, uh, SOAC. SOAC, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, SOBIC is the basic one. So I think yeah, SOBIC like is the basic officer course. It's the then, junior uh, one. And I yeah. think SOAC is like the department. That's like the department head one, yeah. Right. So when they, those, those classes, they all go through Groton, right? So we're all, they're constantly going through here. So when they come through there, we go teach, we not, not any meaningful portion of it, but we usually go in there and give like, um, uh, uh, maybe an hour or so brief, um, to the Sobic students about, you know, you're a bunch of JOs coming from college, you're brand new, you're you're the same as the sub-school students. You're just officers instead of right. enlisted, right? So you're going to a submarine. Here's what to expect. Here's what, as a chief, here's what I would expect from you as my new JO showing up, as my commo, as my, well, you're probably not going to be a commo as a JO immediately at least. But anyways, right. you know, you're my or new like division officer. Day. Yeah. You're my new, you're my new JO. This is what I would expect as a chief, my interactions to be. Here's yada, 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 right? So we go through some of that with them and we get a chance to talk to them and then we do the same thing at least as radio men um radio and it's we go in and we talk to the pnavs and guys you know department heads are getting ready to go be a navigator right. on a boat and we do the same thing with them and talk to them and say the same not the same speech obviously but right tailored same towards flavor. a navigator to a radio chief and yada 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 so we get that interaction with them and it's it is very interesting talking to them and i do have limited experience with non-submarine officers um yeah i mean i do have some but not obviously it's not the predominant uh of my interaction and my experience um and it's so interesting at uh the way we operate i feel like as a fleet either historically um and how much some of that is carried over, whether it's because of history and tradition or if it's just because of the nature of our job is hasn't changed in that sense and that much since, say, World War II, right? Um, and it's it's really interesting to me when I see all that because I feel like, uh, so when I was supposed to go IA, I was working with a FTS senior chief ET um, who had been on a few ships um, and not gonna lie, when I was there, I when I I met him, and I was like, oh, so you active or reserve? Because we had a handful of both. And he goes, oh no, I'm FTS. And I was like, cool. So are you active or reserve? Yeah. Like I don't know what rate FTS is. Yeah. Like, no, I didn't learn ET. that. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> learn that until 
there was so there was a sailor uh, at a squadron when I was on my first chief's tour that was FTS and somebody vaguely explained it to me. So I knew it was kind of like a reservist that worked full time. But then I got <laughs> yeah. to Fort Lee as a, an instructor and it was we had a we had a bunch of issues with we had a we utilized Army medical, but with a bunch of Navy sailors and the screening right. paperwork they needed, especially to go overseas, they were just jacking it all oh, up because they didn't. Yeah, they didn't know any better, uh, and it was it wasn't a true joint base. So it was I. They just utilized right. army medical, and they just used army forms and handed it to them. We're like, this isn't what we need. So they would right. get to their ultimate duty station and be like, what the? And then we'd get phone calls and nasty grams. So I got. I was like, I need a corpsman down here. Like, I need a navy corpsman to translate. And they're like, well, you're not going to get a new billet at least not immediately. It's going to take a long time to make that happen. So. Uh, reach out to the reserve center, see if you can get a reservist to come like do their drill days and just teach the army about it. Turns out they had an FTS HM1 that was amazing. And so I stole her, like, I think it was one day a week, she would come over to the clinic and teach like the army specialists and sergeants how to do Navy paperwork and how to right. use the program that we used and all this stuff. And, and it's, it it's MERS or something. I get it. Yeah, I get it. And it's, it's, it's frustrating because it's so different and your my gut reaction is why like shouldn't it be pretty well standardized right like medical should be medical right you would think so but so why does there why are we spending the money and the time and the effort and the training on 12 different programs across five different branches or whatever right so but but yeah so i i mean i'd be lying if i said i fully understood fts um yeah maybe if there's an fts listener out there that can truly really, yeah i'm sure i'm sure i could yeah i, so I i'm doing I have uh, a very five thousand foot overview of what they do and yeah not what a, they do but how that they exist <laughs> yeah i have so i have a reservist senior chief submariner uh he's gonna come on and talk about reservist stuff uh eventually i we got to set up a time but um i i think He's FTS because I'm pretty sure he's working full time. Either that or he's because there's this weird dynamic too, where I have two chiefs at the command I'm at now. I think at least two, one or two or three uh, that are are reservists that are just on like they're they just constantly get their orders re-upped. So they're on active orders, but they're reservists. They just keep getting the orders re-upped. But then you have FTS and I think it's a separate thing. So hopefully we can talk about that, too. Um, It's all super. I can get educated because I don't know anything about it. Right. What you really need to do is find somebody at like uh, some high level brass at like NPC that can that yeah. makes those decisions and that can truly explain like, well, yeah, what and the, the need you, for one or the I thing know. I run into is um, you when you're when when I'm trying to get people to come on, a lot of times everybody's worried about what their command's going to think or what whatever's. Gonna yeah, be. yeah, yeah. And I get it. And for some people, that's a concern for some people. It isn't. But. Uh, it's like it just you got to get permission. Like when I did the one with Chief Khan, I mean, I had a uh, let's see, I had a Sark on the phone with they were all listening. I had a Sark on there, I had a PAO on there, and I had somebody oh, wow. else on there, and they were all listening as we talked. And it was super legitimate concerns that they had. Uh, I right. was a little at first, I was a little like, I might not even do this. This, this, because they're. I was like, the, I told Grant, I was like, if they try to dictate the content, I'm just not going to publish it. Like, I, if right. we have a, a hard conversation and we say things that I think people need to hear, and then the PAO is like, eh, I don't think we're going to do that. I'm just, we just won't do it. And 
but then it ended up great. They were super great about it. The, I talked, I think I talked to his CEO as well, and she was amazing. They were all super passionate about it. They just, their biggest concern was the mental health piece that neither of us are mental health professionals. So they had like a mental right. health professional on the phone and they were like, they didn't want, or I think the mental health doc, doc listened to it after just to make sure that we didn't say anything that was effectively giving like clinical advice or something. Or um, bad, just straight bad. Just bad gouge. Yeah. 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 And, and he, that's, cause that's, oh, he talked about programs and stuff too. And they, they want to make sure that the details were correct. And then it was cool because after we got off the phone or after we stopped the interview, they gave me a bunch more information. And then I put that at the end of the episode and in the, in right. the show notes too, for like programs and resources. And yeah. So it ended up being amazing, but I was a little worried about it too, because I was like, and, and I think as I try to get those type of people to come on, which I am all for, and I will jump through all the flaming hoops if that's what I need to do. But except that I draw the line that you're not going to tell me what, what to cut out and what's going to be in it and stuff like that, where it's going to be like, I, I'm not going to be a sock puppet. <laughs> so it's kind of like, right. that's what I worry well, that's, about. That's a, that's a hard thing. Like with, with, uh, it, and I don't know, I've never really mentioned to anybody, at least in my chain of command that I've done any of these. So, right. uh, I mean, I could be making a whole bunch of people angry. I don't know, but, um, I doubt it. it I don't, I, 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 I don't go advertising it either, but it's not because I care about that. I'm not worried. No, about it at all. I'm a hundred percent sure. I'm 100% sure that nobody is upset about any of the stuff that I'm saying, but on the, well, 99.99%, but on the <laughs> 0.01% chance that I've got some legal officer that's listening from my command that's losing his mind, these are my opinions. <laughs> yeah, right. I put that on the website that everything we publish is. And I, somebody said I should do it at the beginning of every episode or something. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Like, that's I get exhausting. It. I mean, yeah, I might, so if somebody can, can give me com- a compelling reason why I would need to do it. I put it at the end of every episode, I guess, but I just, I, it's on the website that everything expressed is not the opinion of the DOD, the Navy or anybody else except me. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know. So I, the, I actually, I, I've never explored it in depth, but somebody, I was talking to somebody that was doing a podcast for something else. Navy guy, uh, I think it was a Lieutenant. And uh, he was, he went down the road of, seeing if it would be could could be like an official navy podcast and he got re- turned off pretty quick oh yeah legal was almost, uh yeah <laughs> almost legal guaranteed was, that's a hard no yeah legal was like well no, i mean they do podcasts a bunch of guys got podcasts like the cno and uh, a couple other there's a couple yeah other. but those are official authorities right. no that's what i'm saying but he was trying to do anyway he got turned off by it and legal was trying to argue that he can't express like the views of the Navy or something like that. And then I guess it came back from the Jags that, Oh, actually, yes, he can. <laughs> like, and we're like, what? So I don't know. I, I, it's such a rabbit hole. Who knows? I don't really, yeah, I'm not worried about it. I don't think I've made it pretty for clear that for permission. Yeah. And well, I mean, if you listen to the, I'll defend every single word I've ever spoken on this thing. So it's, it is what it is, yeah. but, it's like a as as people have found out about the platform and, and I've had a bunch of my buddies that like I've served with that never knew I did because I've been doing this for almost five years and uh, the people that figure it out, they listen to it and they're like, I know who that is like because they immediately recognize my voice because I talk a lot. Right. And, uh, so they're like, I know him and I'll get a text and it's universally positive. Like, holy crap. Like, I didn't know you did this. This is amazing. 
Um, if anything, I, I if anything, I could cheap. just see you getting made fun of for being a diggit. Um, yeah, which I mean, I'm I've been a Kool Aid drinking true believer for well ever. So it's like I I used to be the guy that was like I'm getting out of the navy, but like everybody knew I was full of it. And then since since I reenlisted after I made chief until now and until I retire and even beyond, it's like yeah, I'm a super diggit. And people try to call me out on that. I'm like, you think like look <laughs> I, if you could see the office I'm standing in right now, like I collect combo cover anchors. I have like old combo covers up on a shelf. I've got a bunch of memorabilia, old blue jacket mails. Like I am the definition of a digit. So it's like, come on, like that's you're just so, stating a fact. It's not funny. So, so that's a funny thing that I found out was not uh, uh, dig it as a term, whether derogatory or not. You know, obviously, typically it's meant to be like offhandedly derogatory, right? Um, is that is not a. That's a very submarine specific term. Is it really? Um, yeah. No, I, I had always no thought idea it was until, universal. No, so did I until I was working with all those other people. And when I'm the only submariner in the room, and I asked some dude, I asked him a question about something, and and he threw out some. Uh, I don't remember what it was. I think it was honestly. I think it was that he had a, uh, like the uh, a Leatherman on his belt. Yeah. I said, "Yo, give me your dig it." your dig it, yeah. Yeah, and he looked at me like, "What are you talking about?" And I'm like, "Your dig it, like your Leatherman." And he's like, "Oh yeah, here." And he's like, "What did you call it?" I'm like, "A dig it." And he's like, "What is that?" And I'm like, "Dude, it's like I don't know, like you love the job so much, like you were that you have always prepared, yeah. You you carry a tool belt on your on your belt at all. You were ready to screw a screw it at a moment's notice, right? Like that, like you were." And I'm not knocking the, I'm, I'm not saying on the boat, I didn't have a, a oh. mini flashlight and a dig it on me also, right? And I'm a radio man, like I'm not elbow deep in equipment all the time. Yeah, where I, I, I carried a, I carried a Leatherman and a, and a <laughs> right. And it's not like, and, and, and they're, they're not like legitimate for maintenance, so you can't technically right. use them anywhere. So like, why does everybody have them? It, you are just that prepared, right? It is strapped to your, that's on your bat belt at all times. Yeah. So like that's your dig it, and so like that term you know also applies like the I person like that who just every, loves it. I, yeah. who, no, well, but so, so that's, yeah, that's I, the thing. Well, in terms of it of, of calling a person a dig it, I thought that was universal. I didn't know like I kind of thought the in reference to like a Gerber tool or a Leatherman that it might be submarine specific. I guess, but I always no, thought like, calling so, somebody a dig it was like a super universal term. But no. At least in my experiences, that was not yeah. the reception that it got, which was uh, yeah. I was surprised about. But, um, uh, but I don't know. Anyways, um, okay. So before I get too sidetracked and I go back to what we started this with, um, because we are obviously really good at getting sidetracked on it. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> um, so, so of the those three. So the three main areas, right? You got your technical job side of it, your maintenance issues and your personnel issues. And then the root causes that we came up with are organization, level of knowledge or time management, right? And then the true root causes that we came up with beyond that. So those first three are fixable, right? Like we already talked about that earlier. You can fix level of knowledge. I can fix somebody's time management. I can either teach them how to do it better. I can have somebody micromanage it for them. There's, there's a million ways to skin that cat, right? But that a time management issue or an organization issue is uh, that's fixable. 
right? Like you can recover from that. That's just a, a a skill that you don't, that you have not mastered yet. That doesn't mean that you are terrible at your job and should be fired and moved along, right? That's just something that needs to be upgraded. Um, the other, the, the, we, then we came to the four kind of root, root causes. Um, and honestly, the, the fear one that we already talked about, the bad climate and fear, that's more on the command, I would say, than the individual chief. However, yeah. uh, I will caveat that with um, I had a, a cob who he always made a point of saying, like, when E6 and below says the command thinks this or the command says this, they're talking about E7 and above. They're not just talking about the triad, right? Like you're talking right. about the chief's right. mess yep. and the wardroom as a whole. Yep. That is the command as a, you know, quote unquote. So, so whether or not, so that bad climate, that bad command climate, whether or not it's really you, I, I totally understand that more often than not. And you spoke with that about with the uh, LS one that, that a lot of those issues, it's not that they're, that people generally think that every chief is bad or whatever the case is, right? There's a few bad apples. And and I think you would agree that most every mess is going to have at least a couple of bad apples, right? And that's across any cross section of society. There's going to be a percent, you know, there's a bell curve for everything. Um, So, so the bad climate, yes, you could kind of chalk that up to that's not necessarily that single person, but they do have a piece of that. And I do buy into that, that, they're talking about you. So you do have some piece of that pie. Yeah. Um, I would say too, that, uh, even when the fear exists for a good reason, like we talked about the different flavors of like senior leadership that whether it's a CO or a cob or an XO or whatever that, or even a department head that you get like a healthy fear of how, or like, or like just like the eye roll and like, God, oh, I gotta go talk to them again that, that you right. fight that urge to avoid, that conversation or conflict because it's your job to communicate whatever information needs to be communicated. Like you're the, right. you're the one that's supposed to force that function when it needs forcing. So it's like, and the, so that's, that's, that's one reason, right? Like that you would sweep things under the rug or handle it right. in a house or however you want to phrase that. Um, that's one of those big reasons why either you as a person or, or the mess itself or whatever the case is would fail is just the fear of taking it outside of that. Um, the other three ones that we have, so along with fear kind of, it's kind of similar, I think in a way, but, um, is pride, um, is another common one that we came up with. Right. And we talked about this earlier, just, you know, 15, 20 minutes ago that, you know, that you're chief, that you're the chief, like you can't be right. wrong. You're not humble enough to, to accept the feedback, whatever the case is, right. Just based on pride, you will not acknowledge that you are failing or this is not what it should be or whatever the case is and you right. go down kicking and screaming right or wrong you just have too much pride in whatever you're doing and that's a hard i don't know that that's always a correctable situation right without something major happening like going to mast or whatever um, um yeah I, there's there's there are ways right but yeah sitting down and talking to a guy is probably not going to fix somebody that's that far off on that not not just so not a not a single occurrence no i would think like if if like a sitting down and mentoring educating counseling whatever you want to call it that type of that type of mechanism to fix that problem i would it have it would have to be recurring and it would probably have to be more than one source because what i've i've found yeah. is that even even when i'm like 
the one that's sought out and I'm the one that they respect and that they're really going to take that well from, sometimes it ta- it still takes more than just me saying it because it's easy to discount one source regardless of how credible, right? So they their pride is going to rationalize their way out of that. Like, oh yeah, all right, I'll kind of keep that as like a, a thing I need to work on and then they kind of forget about it. But if right. a bunch of different people are saying it to them and they're like, you're getting it from all angles. And, and that's kind of why we, t- when me and Paul talked about the 360 evaluations, like one of the reasons why that's so effective is you can deny one source. So if I sit down and, and counsel you on a thing, it's easy to just discount it as I'm an idiot or, or I'm don't know what I'm talking about, or I wasn't there or who, who am I to tell them this? Like for me as a, a senior chief cook, it's super easy to discount my expertise because some right. community and really Navy wide, it's like, well, you're a cook. What do you know? And it's like, as so my expertise as a senior chief is discounted immediately, but not by everybody, but it happens. And so that, but if they get it from the A gang chief, the radio chief and the LS chief as well, then it's like, oh, okay, maybe there's something to this. <laughs> so I think the, the only way that type of a mechanism works is if it's recurring from, from the primary source, but also like coming from more than one source and recurring from those as well. Like it's gotta, and it's gotta be coming from an authoritative source one of those has to be an authoritative source. So like there were times where I would tell my cop, I'm like, look, I need you to have a conversation with this person about this thing because like I'm doing it, but it's like a broken record and they're discounting. Yeah. They're discounting me as the one because they hear it from me all the time. They need to hear it from you, not just from a second source, but from an authority on like the things we do here, because really at the end of the day, especially in a small mess like that, it's like the cobs slash CMC is the one that, that like, creates the culture and sets the standards for conduct and like interpersonal communications and relationships and whatever. So it's like, I I mean, I I'm a leader in that mess, but I'm not the leader. So it's like, until I'm wearing that cookie to work, it's like, sometimes there's just things that need to come from Cobb CMC. And it's like that there were times where that's what it needed to be as well. But yeah, I think you can, but it just needs to be done a certain way. And even then it doesn't always work. I've got stories about guys that couldn't get past their own ego. Oh, for sure. Ended up, but those are LOIs you know the the general theme of this is why people fail, right? Like that's right. Probably you could chalk that up to that dude failed in one way or another at his job, right? right. Not just struggled, right? Because he wasn't technically an expert, or like the the radio chief that you mentioned, um, you know. And I know somebody we've talked about him before who's not technically savvy at their job for you know because they took a different career path, right. but they're great in other ways that make up for it. And they put in that extra legwork to make sure that they fill those gaps. You know, they'll put in that extra egg, that extra legwork and that extra effort. Um, The, the, so the third, I think as far at least probably is in severity. Um, Excuse me. The, the third probably, or the, I, I guess working our way up the chain of severity uh, the second most right uh, severe reason root cause that we came up with was uh, just apathy. Just don't just don't care either. Yeah. And for whatever reason, right, you're burnt out. We talked about that before, too, guys. It just they're just fried and they just don't yeah. care anymore or it's just not important to them. And to some extent, you can argue what's important to you as a chief and what you're worrying about. Right. But there's also things like the command says, no, you will care about this and you will do this. And some things are just objectively important to the point where uh, you will do those things like that. You need to care about this, whether yeah. you may not think it's important, but it is objectively important, in which case you're just 
objectively wrong. <laughs> but just apathy as a whole, right? Like if you just don't care, that's yeah, that's gonna bite you. You have to care. It's an easy trap to fall into too, because like when we go through all these things, a lot of times the the way you fall into these traps is like there's so many different things that you're responsible for staying on top of and managing, which is why time management's an issue and uh, why organization can be an issue because you're getting like, you're getting juggling flaming chainsaws eventually. Like it's super dangerous and stressful already. So it's like eventually one of them's going to fall down. Right. It sucks when one of those falls down. So it's, I think when, you get to a point where you've just been, you've been doing it so long, you've been stressed out about it so, for so long. And then a lot of times somebody's telling you, you suck for so long. And eventually <laughs> you're just like, I, okay, I suck. You know what? I, I apparently I suck no matter how hard I try. So I'm not going to try anymore because you keep telling me that I suck all the time. And I find that that, that is a, a way that leadership tries to communicate accountability a lot of the times I've seen with chiefs, especially new ones where they're trying to like, uh, like set a bar and hold them to a standard. It's like, like you don't need to destroy their souls to be able to tell them that they're not doing something the way that it's expected to be done. And a lot of times what I would find is that not only would they do that in their dealings with them, but then in the future, it's like that they would, they would go from zero to 60 immediately because they just expect that guy to fail. They expect him to not be prepared for a meeting or to screw up whatever task he's been tasked with. So as soon as they smell the beginnings of him screwing something up, they're just like, boom, punching him in the face, punching him in the face. It's like, you wonder why this guy is never prepared for a meeting because it doesn't matter if he comes in here prepared because there's a lot of times that the guy that I'm thinking of in my head right now did and you guys destroyed him. And he's an expert that is supposed to be trusted for that expertise. And he yes. is very knowledgeable, but you don't even let him get three words out of his mouth. And then we're going to con- conclude this operational planning brief without even getting his two cents. Like, are you guys nuts? Like, right. I want to go home safely. So can we rewind and let him talk, please? <laughs> I used to have conversations. I'm like, you guys got to stop doing that. Like, he's because he's never going to tell you anything. We're going to be in a brief looking at a chart and like figuring out how we're going to go to a place and do a thing. And it's like, he's not going to provide you the, the backup that you need or the advice you need. He's just going to let the CO and some other guy run him over. And then we're doing something unsafe that he knows is unsafe. And he's just like, whatever, they're not going to listen to me anyway. And that happens at our <laughs> level. That type of apathy yeah. happens at our level, 100%. 100%. And it's a super easy trap to fall into when you're you're getting treated like that all the time. It's, it's, it's hard when you see that because I think that that's, it is correctable in a sense, but I don't feel like, uh, I don't know how to say what I'm trying to say. I feel like generally speaking, that person needs to be removed from the situation. Yeah. Well, they, they need to go to another only, command. They yeah. need to do something yep. different and get recharged somehow. Yeah. Because only, almost guaranteed it won't, will not happen. At yeah. The I don't, cause I don't think you, the only way you can fix it, generally is because like the the there's more than one problem contributing to why that person has that type of apathy it's not just that that human being oh yeah right it's like usually it's got a lot to do with the command climate and the way that senior leadership communicates down and so it's like you can't fix that with like one counseling session or like one thing where we all huddle together in a room or like hey you guys all got to stop punching this guy in the face because it's like 
they're because they're not just doing it with him. They're doing it with a bunch of other people. I, yeah, I, I think you're going to when you look at when you when you drill down and try to find out how that apathy started, like what was the root of it? You're going to find a much larger problem that encompasses a whole bunch of people and is probably climate related. And that's that's a lot to fix without like you're going to be able to fix that one person much more quickly and easily by removing them from that environment. It's not to say it's going to fix maybe the other five people that are in that same same predicament or um, the the future potential for that happening to someone that's not quite there yet. But Yeah, it, it, I don't know. And so the last big one that's just kind of like a, a big catch-all, right, that I don't think is... I'll, I've drank enough Kool-Aid that I don't think is fixable. Um, it's just an integrity issue. Depends on the flavor. Um, well, I, okay. So I'll take that. I just mean like, yeah, in general, like if you're just the kind of guy that says, I'm just going to get away with this, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to, those are the things that, and whether or not that that's, I, I mean, I understand in certain situations, there's probably ways that you can fix that. And I would say that those probably wouldn't be based on integrity issues. Then it would probably ultimately fall back to something else. Um, that, that led them to an integrity violation. Right, 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 right. Uh, And I guess that's what I'm saying. Right. So, but I feel like if it's just true, like an integrity thing, like nah, they're screw it. They're just never going to catch me, whatever. Like I'm going to do some shady stuff. And I feel like those situations, at least, from big navy i i think that big navy looks at integrity issues as cool you're just done yeah and 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 maybe that's maybe that's more of my rate it's an issue right because dealing with crypto maybe that's just being on a submarine and dealing with the clearance yeah Uh, it's just my background of commands i just yeah any sort of integrity violation is cool i just do not want to you don't need to go away yeah yeah Yeah. and i think that's like the nature of our job and the things that we do um that's that's why they're so harsh about it i think it would depend on the flavor of integrity violation um and and like you said the reasons how they ended up there i think if it's legit if it's a legitimate character flaw uh i'm gonna talk about my uh my inability to give up on what people perceive to be lost causes. Um, I don't cause which is good. You've, you've never mentioned yeah. that on any other episode. I, yeah, I've definitely never talked about that before. <laughs> I, I, cause I think that it, it just depends. There are definitely people that you're going to look at and be like that. It's a character issue. This person is a bad person that doesn't need to be part of this organization. Uh, and that's how they're going to be dealt with. And I think that, I could be convinced that there's a case where that uh, is true and that that there are truly evil people in the world. And I would agree with that. But I don't think the majority of the time that that's the case. I think we are quick to arrive at that type of a a decision with certain people uh, without taking into account all of the context that comes with it, because you you're dealing with kids most of the time, like immature brain isn't fully developed yet children <laughs> so it's nobody like, wants to hear that but i understand I, it's true though I, and then you I, you're in I a drb you. talking to this guy like he's a grown man and i understand why they made choices they took on the responsibilities of so we're going to treat them as i get it uh i hate some of that cop out but i get it yeah i and but that's what frustrates me is like we 
we don't always spend the time trying to figure out how we arrived here. And unfortunately and inconveniently for our construct and our preconceived notions, a lot of the reasons why these kids behave the way they do have nothing to do with anything that happened during their time in the Navy. So it's kind of like I'm charged with, with finishing them and making them adults. And I can fix a lot of the reasons that they would make choices like that. I just got to be allowed the opportunity to do so. I understand that the, cause the, the counterweight to that is the nature of our job. Sometimes I can't allow you, I can't afford you the opportunity twice. Like with, like you were saying with crypto, with um, classified material of other flavors, with right. certain types of mission where you broke a crazy piece of equipment because you gaffed off some maintenance or you put the wrong part in or whatever. There's certain times where you're not going to get a second chance in the Navy. And I, and I understand that because of our organization is what it is and we do what we do, that sometimes we're just going to have to be like, ah, you're gone. You lost your opportunity. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I go down that road of like, there's still human beings. And even on their way out the door, I think it's worth investing the time if we have it, right? Or whoever does have it to like, let them know that and like that, Hey, you made a mistake and make sure they leave with the lessons that come along with making that mistake so that they can be good, productive members of society when they transition out. And that whether we like it or not, those are ambassadors that are going to affect our future recruiting. So it's like that, that guy served in the Navy. He's got pictures to prove it. So it's like, he's going to go guy or girl. He's going to go talk to all these people and tell them what it was like to be in the Navy. And a lot of the, the communities that, these people are recruited out of, they go back to, and we're going to recruit more people out of that community. But that guy's going back with a sour taste in his mouth because we treated him like he was a career criminal when all he was, was a 19 year old kid that was, had the maturity level of a 19 year old kid and was trusted with crypto and all this other crazy stuff. And he made an immature 19 year old decision to leave some book out and leave some safe unlocked. And we just dropped an anvil on his head because he lied about it. Cause he was scared. And it's like, is that a, is that an integrity violation that indicates some character flaw and makes him a bad person? Or is he a 19 year old kid that got scared? Like, or is it somewhere in between? Like, I don't know. I think it's worth exploring. I think that maybe there should be a pipeline for those guys to go do something else that doesn't deal with crypto. Like maybe they get sent to the surface Navy to go kick boxes. I don't know. Or chip paint. Maybe they get another, maybe they get, there's like a pipeline for them to redeem themselves. But I just, I, I don't think that the vast majority of the time it's some lost cause that, that is just a bad person. Like they exist. I could tell you stories about some that like are in prison right now, but that I, that I've served with, but uh, (laughs) yeah, but yeah, man, it's so rare. I could tell you like two of those stories out of how many people have I encountered in my entire career? Like, right. I know two, maybe three, I think two. So yeah, I, uh, I, I, it's a serious thing and I think it should be taken as seriously as it is. But I also feel like there's a war on nuance, you know, like we're scared to explore the the reality of it by asking the questions and having the conversations and kind of conceding that he's a 19 year old kid. Like he's a so I was an idiot when I was 19 years old. I did a whole bunch of dumb stuff that I probably should have gotten in trouble for. And I just got away with it. And we all have those stories. But then when we're sitting at a DRB and 19 year old ETR three comes in and there's some crypto integrity violation. We're like raring to take his head off, you know? And it's just like, 
ah, is that always like, should we really do that? Cause then we sit there and have a conversation about how I, I drove home drunk when I was on my first boat more than once. Cause I'm an idiot. And it's right. like, ah, does that, I just, I didn't get caught that true story. <laughs> like, yeah, I can tell you there's a, there's a line painted on H1 in Hawaii that if you stare at it while you drive, you're, it helps. <laughs> like I was an idiot. I very oh, rapidly yeah. realized that fact later on and stopped doing it and felt like a piece of crap well, that I was that stupid, but so I was so super let, young and dumb. So not, that's not play, an excuse, but it's no. So, so let me play reality. devil's advocate on all of that example. Right. Cause I'm, I, I can't think of like any specific examples, but I guarantee I've done the same thing. Um, at some point, I guarantee I've done something similar, right? Not in Hawaii, but I, right. Same idea. So, um, and I would venture to bet that greater than 75% of the chiefs out there have, have the same basic story one way or another, right? right. Something dumb they've done. Yeah. Got away with it. Moved on in life. Right. You thought I didn't get caught, so I'm better than the guy that did get caught. Move on in life. Um, so devil's advocate side of it from the, say, E5 and below, they're looking at it as that person on the other side of the table at that DRB. And they're thinking that same thing, right. going, you've done this. So how are you yelling at me at this? And that's when you immediately lose all credibility as yeah. the chief's mess. Right. Because we do that. Now, I will say that uh, I don't think that it's right necessarily, but from the organizational, you know, the business side of the Navy and as a chief, as management in that business, um, they tend to look at those situations and go, well, how long is it going to take to get me some E3 had as a DUI? Like, is it depending on where in the pipeline? or where they're at in their career, right? If they're still in training, honestly, it depends on their reaction and how they're feeling that day. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that uh, they're, the outcome of that is going to be very different um, compared to if you're on a ship, right? Because then you're looking at it going, okay, well, like, do I want to just get rid of this guy or do I want to just send him to mass? Do I want to... How? What's the outcome going to be? And, how, and not just how the from the business side of it that's the hard part is you have to look at it from a personal side right because you're a person and whether or not that's your that's a sailor in your division um and i would think that i would argue the drb and everything beyond say a counseling shit is not up to your chief anymore because your chief tried your chief did that counseling well, we hope. he tried well so at least on paper <laughs> I, yeah, and, theoretically, and against, if they've again, arrived at that milestone, Chief tried, but that, I find right. that that's not always the case because, like, I at length had conversations where our cobs sitting there, like, "Look, if you guys are going to write a report, shit, there had better be a stack of paperwork behind that because it makes it really difficult to walk into the CEO state room and say, "Hey, this guy should be held accountable at NJP for this thing that they did." And a lot of times, it was like it was just like after you did the PIO and everything like they definitely needed to be held accountable but it's really hard to justify that to the CEO who's trying to incorporate all those things and weigh everything and do the right thing it's hard for him to get a full picture and for him to really understand no this isn't a one-off like he's been doing this for a year 
But if you didn't do the paperwork, you didn't sit down and have those conversations with them. Yeah, I can't. How do I how do I hold the guy accountable? For me, yeah, on the yeah, flip yeah. side of that, it's like I hate doing paperwork on people because you lose them. <laughs> like when you sit down and have a counseling counseling session with somebody yeah. where you're just talking, it's really difficult to sell them on the idea of signing a counseling sheet. Like I'm not talking out both sides of my mouth where like I'm I'm saying like this is going to stay between us and I don't want it to like, I don't want it to go outside the work center because I, I want you to get back on the straight and narrow. But then I'm like, but sign here, you know, like, right. so that I can well, put it in a binder. So with that though, that's the, the same, uh, that's that same dichotomy that I'm talking about is the person that's talking to you is a person, right? Right. Who has been in long enough, who's made the mistakes, who's, you know, like this, the joke that I've seen a bunch of, at least on all the random chiefs, Facebook groups and all that stuff is the, uh, the, Who's it? Uh, not is it State Farm? The uh, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Uh, that's farmers, I think. Maybe. Anyways, right? It's it's that guy, right? And yeah. and I know him. Uh, maybe I'm dating myself, but I know him from Oz, uh, yeah. which was like the original HBO or uh, mini series. But anyways, uh, great great series. Side note: anybody should go yeah. watch Oz. Uh, <laughs> but um. But anyways, like that's, that's, that's the, the, the mentality, right? Like is we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two we know, and that's good and bad. We know how to deal with things, but also when somebody's feeding us nonsense, yeah. <laughs> we know how to smell that nonsense because we've right. done that nonsense. But, but, but again, that from our side, we look at it as a strength from, from junior enlisted, right? Blue yeah. shirts are looking at that as you guys are just a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I, I and they're not I, wrong. Right. And I try to to use that moment to share those stories and just say, like, look, like the, I, I've been there. This is the type of trouble you can get in. And I'm trying to use these experiences to keep you from going down that road. It doesn't always work. And I think that the, a lot of those things should be done before you get to that type of a, a disciplinary process. And I even think that. Right. That the whole thing, like. I forget, and it might have been you that told me about the chief standard and conduct board thing where they like yes. changed it. Yep. Yeah. That's what we um, here. Yeah. I definitely think that it needs to be structured differently, treated like more of a formal investigatory tool. Um, based on the conversations I've had with like some my legalman chief and my JAG, it's like that's what it's intended to be. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times it, it's not even mandatory, it just degenerates no. into these wild geese people. It's a hundred, exactly. No, it's one hundred percent not required, right? If somebody gets a DUI, are you required? No. To, and why to do a DRB? What for? Like, <laughs> I what do you yeah, like, exactly? What are you when they're do? that cut and just going to yell at them? Right. Yeah, I, like it's like you get everybody together just to make them feel even worse about themselves. Like they already know yeah. they're going to have to cut a twenty or thirty thousand dollar check. So like, yeah, no, it's we the really biggest, need to rub it in. So it's the biggest waste of everybody's time. It doesn't yeah. solve anything. It doesn't fix anything. Nobody feels better about it. Everybody just gets worked up and upset in one way or another. Yeah, I I feel like those in a lot of those situations, they are a complete waste of time. I understand that people have them for there's other reasons, right? Like, yeah, say there that are. you're having it for for training for for them, for the people conducting them, for you legitimately think there might be something, you know, but you think there might Not be a something reason. else involved. Yeah, well, you know, that's, that's what I was going to get to. The investigator, investigatory piece of it is sometimes the pressure of the event will lead you to find out more. You know what I mean? And it, it could be... Then assign a PIO. 
Yeah, well, and they should have already assigned a PIO in a lot of those cases, but they don't always. Yeah, but PIO doesn't always get everything out of them on the first try is what I'm saying. Like a lot of times, because uh, I've been a PIO more times than I can count. And I, right. I, what I find is when I take the initial statement, the first reaction is fear. And a lot of times somebody has had the opportunity to like give them uh, that type of advice. Yeah. Well, corroborate or like somebody else that's gone through it has been like, just lie. Like this, like, yeah. right. Just don't tell them anything. And then when you get into a DRB setting, the the pressure and gravity and fear all kind of come together to make the guy fold like a cheap lawn chair. And then you get a whole bunch of other stuff you didn't know. And so like, that's where a lot of times I feel like we attach value to it. But in a yeah. case where it it's a, DUI and the guy admitted it and signed a sworn statement to that to that fact. Why do I yeah. get to pull him in there and, and punch him in the face more? Right, like that. There are definitely circumstances where I think that it, it's not needed at all. Uh, there's, I think, if it was formalized like you were, like you talked about in that type of an instruction, um, and it was standardized and it was very much an investigatory tool and it wasn't designed at all to be just pull all the chiefs in here so we can yell at this guy. Cause that's a lot of times what like, whether it's intended that way or not, that's a lot of times what it degenerates into. Um, and I don't think that's valuable like at all. I can't, no. I can't think of a lot of times where that type of a, of an environment is justified. There's a couple of times where I've, I've definitely gotten fired up because I was being lied to. Uh, and I knew it and it's like you're looking at a picture of you doing the thing like why are you lying about it but then at the same time looking back on some of those events I don't even know if a DRB needed to happen there like I like think we could have just done the paperwork sent it up and called it a day I am very much the opposite of uh, like I'm not the yelling type like I get super super passionate and I will argue with people for hours about the dumbest minute non-important detail but um of anything yeah but i am not like if somebody gets in trouble and it's like it's i'm not the kind of guy that's going to stand there and yell at the and it's funny because students will uh at least my reaction when i talk to the students is it's uh students that i'm around at least on a regular basis um you know it tends to be like oh that's the guy that's you know like he's cool he doesn't actually listen he's got tattoos like and sure i'll listen right like those are like that's my job, right? Is to is to do all that stuff. But but it's like if something happens, like I'm not gonna yell at you because it's not Yeah. That's I look that's at it where as, I've I've it's a arrived. complete waste of my energy. Yeah. Like I'm not mad at you. If it gets to the point where you are in my office talking to me with the door closed, you know, to me and a couple of other people because you screwed something up to where you need to get yelled at for it, like it's just a waste of my energy. Like you know you're in trouble, it's gonna get right. documented. And ultimately, like, I, if you go high and right and say the end result is this person's going to get kicked out of the Navy, right? Does it, did it matter that I yelled at him or not? So, like, why, why do I need to yell at him? Like, it's a waste yeah. of my energy. It's not going to get through to the guy any different. Like, sometimes I get it. There's people that need that. Yeah. But, but generally. Once in a while. Speak, there, but, there's but also in that, am I the only person that that dude's going to deal with in that chain that that sailor's going to deal with? Like I would bet you that he's gonna see somebody, yeah, somebody two else to three other yeah, official yeah. settings who will be yelling at him. Right. I so, so I guess what why I'm do saying I need is, to also yell? Well, I guess what I'm saying is so so think about it through the perspective of you being that chief that is approachable 
and that they think is cool because you're not going to yell at them. You're actually going to have a conversation with them and treat them like an adult that if you, if, if it got to the point where, where whatever had happened, whatever the context was that, that you did yell at them, it's like the type of impact that that would have. It could be very productive. And that, and that's why I I always say it's like almost never, like, it's almost never where I'm going to go with it. Like I, I'll get passionate. Sometimes I raise my voice, but it's like, it's like, what are you doing, man? Like, stop it. Like, go back, do this. Well, like what you knew better. It's not like I'm screaming at him and, and, and it's a YFG speech. It's like, there's very rarely a time where I'm going to like scream at somebody. Um, yeah. like, I, and I've even gotten, because I'm a passionate dude and I talk kind of loud by default. It's like, I get this reputation as a yeller and it's like the whole last tour on a submarine I did. I think I raised my voice to that level maybe three times. Right. It's, it's like it, three times in three years is not like it's a very rare occasion where and it no, generally that's... involves somebody that they absolutely knew better and did it anyway. Like it was a really stupid thing that. It's like you don't get that take back like you've damaged the like perception of the chief's quarters or you've you've damaged the the reputation of the, the cooks on the boat. Like now the crew is mad at you guys and it's everybody. So now the whole division has to shoulder the responsibility of your stupid choice because mm-hmm. you just decided to not do the thing you knew you were supposed to do because you were being lazy or whatever. No, that's um, so. So that's I the, totally yeah. I totally understand the. The, like the gravity of if I were to just outright yeah. yell at somebody that they would take that differently than a person who is constantly just yelling at people right it would it would come out that I would at least I would hope to think like if I'm if I get to you the lost point yeah I'm if you lost breaking somebody yeah it's like they're gonna be like holy like <laughs> right yeah I screwed not up something you ever do yeah so, so I, I totally understand that. And I think I talked to you about it a while ago, uh, off the air at least, about uh, through part of my season. And one yeah, of the guys... Yeah, the note that, cards. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, not just that, but uh, no, for the, the acceptance piece. And when oh, okay. one of the... When when my chief yelled something, yeah. he is not the yeller type not in that yeller, aspect. Yeah. Uh, and so the way he yelled something at me that, that hit, you know, and of course you're just, I'm getting yelled at by everybody about for everything. Right. Um, it's different in that exact moment. That person. But yeah, just what he said, like the fact that it came from him, it like had a totally different impact. And it was because he's, I, I couldn't tell you if he's ever yelled at me before or after that. So, oh, definitely not after, but um, at least not before. I don't think he ever had. So it was, and not that he hadn't, you know, talked to us and, you know, hey, this this needs to be get better, whatever. But it was not in that 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 YFG kind of tone. And so when it did come across, like it definitely carried a different kind of weight, um, right. uh, which is funny because um, that same guy actually just I was texting him earlier today and he uh, I just mentioned that I was recording a podcast with you and oh. he, said, he says, hey. <laughs> oh yeah tell him i said um yeah that's fine i'm surprised he hasn't sent me a message yet saying something to that effect but yeah that's funny uh but but with that so so a lot of the those things uh i don't know why if it actually 
if it actually ties into anything that we were talking about. But for some reason, all of this stuff that we've been talking about, um, uh, a something came up that a uh, one of the charges in my charge book, um, somebody wrote, and so of course, like you were talking about your digit office, mine's not. I I literally just had happened to have my charge book on the bookshelf next to me. Um, and in there was uh, this little story that he had that, that I always thought was an interesting take on things. So I'll kind of, I'm going to go through that real quick if you don't mind. So it's called little bird. Um, and it's basically says, you know, uh, there's a, there was a bird that decided not to fly South for the winter. Uh, his friends kept telling him over and over like, Hey, this is going to be the coldest winter ever. You got to fly South. Right. So he just keeps saying, nope, nope, nope. His friends take off. So it, you know, sure enough, it ended up being the coldest winter ever. And little bird eventually decides like, you know, it's too cold. I'm going south. So he starts flying. Ice forms on his wings, falls down into the snow. And so he's down there. His wings are frozen. He's stuck. And he's like, great, perfect. This is how I'm going to die. Can't believe I was stupid. Didn't listen to my friends. Like, this is the end. And I should have just listened to him. So then a cow comes by, takes a big old dump on top of this bird. (laughs) So the bird's just like, what was that? Like, this actually feels great. It's warming me up. My wings thawed out. I'm going to live. Cool. I'm going to make it. And then all of a sudden that he realizes that it smells awful. He realizes it's, you know, a cow turd starts complaining about it starts yelling out loud like this is terrible smells horrible i can't believe it why would something somebody take a dump on me all this right keeps complaining so along comes a cat he hears this bird just sitting in the snow complaining about being dumped on so he walks over and eats him <laughs> so that's the whole story yeah. which which is really funny till he hit me with the morals of the story right which uh are more or less I didn't think they were very apparent until he explained them. Um, but basically, like, if your friends are telling you something, like, you might want to consider it, right? Like, yeah. take that feedback. <laughs> At least consider why they're telling you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the second point was, uh, if you wait until the last minute, then you're going to be held to the consequences of that choice, right? So, you know, the bird waits till the last second to finally give in and fly south, and he froze. Like, that's, you know, you, you can only get so much credit for effort. Like at some point, this is what happens when you do that. Uh, just because someone dumps on you doesn't mean that they're your enemy, right? <laughs> yep. Which, which I think is very applicable in this chief sense because we were just talking about, right? Like sometimes right. you got to get loud exactly. with somebody. Well, and it doesn't yeah. mean that we don't like you or that we're not that we're we think you're a terrible person. Sometimes that's just how you got to get through to somebody, right? Sometimes, sometimes it does that's save you. Just how they communicate too. It's like it's sift through the noise it's it may just be that they think that is the best way of getting through to you even though it may not be for you but it's like just take the time to pull the lessons out of it like i i got destroyed on a regular basis by a cob for the first year i was a chief and i i thought he just hated me and it turns out he didn't he just saw a lot in me and once i figured out how to decipher it and effectively communicate with him i he became one of my mentors that i still talk to to this day so yeah yeah, no, so it's it's definitely one of those, like, you know, just they, they, and, and then just, again, on the devil's advocate side of it, on the, the, the business side of it um, for the Navy is, is sometimes it's something like the cop is so mad about something 
or the captain or whatever and they come down and tell the chief like listen you need to deal with this or i will and so you have to yell at this guy or the sailor um to handle something and it's it's literally in that point to save them because if you don't do that and yell right. at that person right. then the command is going to take it out of your hands and they are going so you have to make it hard on them so that it's not so to know, shield them from worse yeah yeah which yeah. seems crazy to to people until yeah. you've been in it, or seen that situation. But yeah, and it's hard. It's to, a real thing. It is, and sometimes it's even hard to like. There's a there's a way that I would choose to go about doing that. So, but sometimes the lines get drawn for me, where it's like I expect to see this, this, and this, and that's how yeah. you're gonna deal with it, Chief. <laughs> and it's like ah, uh, yeah. So you're gonna deal with it with me as a proxy, I, you know, and then I go <laughs> do it. And it's like I I don't. It's not how I would have done it. I think there would have been more effective ways to get through to that sailor while accomplishing the same thing. But if I don't do it this way, more bad stuff's going to come. So, and it's like, and I can't really tell them that. So it's like, sometimes I just got to shoulder the burden of being a jerk, you know? And it's like, right. Hopefully I've built up enough capital to spend some of it on something like that. So, so that was the, uh, the, just because someone dumps on you doesn't mean that they're, that they are your enemy. Uh, the next moral was that just because you're in a world of, uh, a world of hurt basically you're in a world of poop uh keep your mouth shut don't complain it'll pass <laughs> yeah <laughs> right like, that's such I, a that's such a him story too <laughs> well but that's the thing like just general in the navy like that's yeah a, uh, uh that's great nothing lasts more than three years right like you're gonna transfer somebody else is gonna transfer whatever the case is right like just I'm, that doesn't mean just put up with it and don't say anything, but you know, understand there's times to just, it's, it is what it is. Everybody's in the, the same world. Yeah. 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 And the, and then the last one on it was uh, just cause someone pulls you out of the poop doesn't necessarily mean that they're your friend. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is on the cynical side of things, but I, I very much yeah. see where it's coming from. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, that was that was the story. As he was reading it to us, we're just like, "This is the most ridiculous story." Like, it's okay, cool. There's it's the bird, what I but... it's what I would expect for him to write in a charge book. So that's hilarious. No, actually, that wasn't that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't him. We know. Oh, yeah. okay. I thought that was him. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like something he would write. No, that was actually a diver that wrote that in mine. Um, oh, really? That's a great story. I love it. No, the 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 one from the guy that we know was was longer. Well. The, the guy that did that, he wrote, actually wrote something. And that was actually a printout that I have slipped in on that page still. Oh, okay. um, no, the one from him was um, much longer and more personal and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But, um, but uh, that's what's funny. I, I had a, I don't know how much of the comments you've followed on the Reddit thread for uh, Paul's episode, but there was a guy on there that talked about, um, he was, it was one of the, harsher critics of chiefs and there's there's always a couple that aren't aren't entirely willing to have conversations this guy came around a little bit after i, I conversed with him a little bit and i'm like hey i'm more than welcome you're, you're more than welcome to reach out to me we'll talk about it but wasn't really interested in in having a conversation about it. he's pretty convinced that chiefs are evil and that there's it's beyond repair and we should just burn it all down but uh, he was talking about, he made a comment to someone else as a response that said something to the effect of go steal a charge book uh, during the season. And you'll see that all it is is a bunch of random comments that belong on like an Instagram meme or something. <laughs> and like just stupid, like one liners for like leadership stuff. And 
I was like, man, it's a lot more involved than that. It's like generally stories or something like they only have one page, right? But it's it's like a story or some kind of thing that helped that person and contact information and every single page that you see in that book, there's like an hour long discussion that yeah, went along with them filling say. out that page. Yeah. So that's it's what like, they wrote, yeah, that's not what they said. There's, there were some guys when I was going through, man, I sat in the chief's quarters with my ANAF for like two and a half hours. And it was just like, it was amazing. And I got a lot out of it. Same thing with the cop. I sat there for with him for like two hours and it's like, that's not, you don't normally get that type of attention from that person. So it's like that. I mean, to, to be for them to take that kind of time to just focus on me and pour into me based on what they've observed working with me and then get those types of leadership lessons. Like that stuff's really valuable, especially in the absence of any cut type of meaningful brick and mortar yeah. leadership development stuff. Right. So it's like, I get, <laughs> I get the cynicism towards the six week initiation season. I have some of it myself, but the, yeah, when he made a swipe at that, I was like, there's so much more to it. And I'm happy to explain it to people. Um, but yeah, they, I saw that and I was just like that, that what you just relayed is a perfect example of along with that entry. There was probably a long conversation that had a lot of, yeah, of course. Yeah, it, it was interesting, but, but as, as listening to, um, so the, the whole why we failed bit came up, uh, with our class and we talked about that and that's when, so this whole week, everything that kind of comes up, we're able to, you know, you kind of tie back into one of those things, um, either intentionally or naturally. And, uh, uh, listening to the last couple episodes of of your your last couple interviews you've done it's the same thing that i keep thinking about like as i'm listening to that that's what's going through my head so that's why i want to talk to you about it like i feel like a lot of those same things uh, you know again we're talking about um radios you know submarine radio in specific situations but those situations aren't that's not like a radio specific vacuum that that those issues exist in yeah. And I can see how they apply across everything, right? So for sure, um, none of it's unique. To no, and, and I feel like that's the hardest part, and it's the biggest, uh, it's the most interesting thing. Like, um, I with where I work, we have a CB um, senior chief. We have a an MA reservist who's active senior chief. Like, no, neither of those rates or fields exist on a submarine. Right. But they're people that we work with on a regular basis. And because of that, like you would, I, I don't know, like part of me thinks that like, oh, we're submariners. We do things differently. Uh, so almost like you would get it. But then when you talk to them, it's like, no, it's all pretty much the same. Yeah, It's just leadership but, and management. Yeah. But then it's also interesting at how much of, you know, like, or like we're saying, how much of it is universal, but. Uh, it's also awesome hearing their takes on things because we've all heard a million stories. If you're on a submarine, you've heard a million stories after a week's worth of standing a midwatch of submarine specific things that have happened, right. events, people screwing stuff up specific to a submarine or whatever the case is. And everybody's heard those or some variant or, you know, the 12th iteration of the same story. And, and that's fine. So it's, it's awesome getting outside of that community. Uh, even if it's one person, just it, I mean, 
in this case, it's it's only a couple people, but in my career, it's been more than that. But hearing outside takes on all of these these same things, like you know, if you're going through, if you have a problem in in your mind, like no, this is like a submarine specific issue, or like this only makes sense to carrier uh, HTs or something, right? Like small boys wouldn't understand it or or whatever like those those people wouldn't understand that situation and like you're you convince yourself that but when you talk to people from outside that community and you actually just give them a rundown of it or even if they actually understand they're involved their take on it it's like oh well apparently this isn't very crazy you understand exactly what i'm saying yeah and i i find myself uh i've had conversations with a bunch of people where i ask them like as I consider whether or not I'm going to retire or be a cop, I'm like, uh, I have this like apprehension about being a cop. Cause I'm like, am I really going to be capable of doing this? Like I don't have the same like operational perspective as like a, a sonar tech or like a, right. I don't know, like a radioman or an ABT. You're not a tactical field. Yeah. I don't, I don't like have, I can't talk about maintenance like an egg ganger can and I can't, but right. then as I have these conversations, um, I, it kind of gives me a more and more of a warm fuzzy that if I go that route, it's like, this is just leadership and management of people. Like it's not, I need to learn the, some of the terminology so that I can understand when STSC walks in and says something's wrong. I can kind of understand what we're talking about, but it's like, I don't, it's not different if I have that conversation. Cause I always wondered how like a, a cob became a CMC. And then I, I know guys that have done like a CMC tour and then went and been like the CMC of an air wing or, or yep. a carrier. Right. And I'm like, how do you, how, like, how do you, how are you, how is your experience applicable? But then when same you look thing. at, yeah, when you really look at it, it's the exact same job. Like they're just being a CMC. It's leadership. Yes. There's yeah. going to be a learning curve where they figure out how aviation things work. But it's like, as I have these conversations, like I, like I said, I got one in the can that from uh, it'll. It, I'm sure it'll be out by the time I release this one. But uh, that with the EOD chief, that uh, as I'm talking to him, it's it's the same stuff, and he kept saying that he's like, we have the same problems everybody else does. Like, yeah, that's interesting. And uh, just talking to him about like you just think it's like a different world, and they speak a different language. And how could I how could I go and be a senior enlisted leader of that type of a community? I have no idea what they do, but it's like, what do, do I need to? Really, like I can learn from this guy, from this chief that spent over an hour talking to me about the EOD community. I can like learn those things, and it's it's all just leadership and management of people. Well, um, it's funny because as as we were talking earlier, right? You the the mindset and what's trained and what's put out in 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 literature now is that the chief is that technical expert, right? Like right. you are going to be the most all knowing cook on the waterfront, right? Any instruction you've got it memorized, yada yada yada. Well, that and, it's and still that's exists. that's applicable. That's applicable in the general mindset until you become a cop, yeah, or a CMC, and then no one and then cares what I know about that. Exactly. Which so that's the crazy part, right? Like, you are not expected yeah. to all of a sudden be the technical expert about anything, which is funny because you are the chief of the chiefs, right? You are the chief of the boat. Yeah. Now you're you are supposed the to just be chief. Your institutional but, expertise is your technical expertise, and it's just like, like your, oh, okay, yeah, yeah like <laughs> your, your technical expertise slowly increases until you magically put on the cookie, and then it just falls yeah, to the floor. And then you just and erase, yeah, 
And that's what I, what's funny is the job I'm in now is like a, it's like a TICOM level inspector gig. And I go down to boats and I evaluate their programs and it's like, okay, uh, there's a lot of people that expect me to be some encyclopedia of knowledge yeah. for in-rate stuff. And I'm like, I'm yeah. not that guy anymore at all. And it's like, I was even on the boat, I was doing so much like assisting the cob like i was basically i filled in for him a lot and everybody called right. me the cob half the time because i was doing it all and then i would uh i had a bunch of collateral duties that had nothing to do with my actual job and so like i spent the line and i stood dive eight hours a day like lion's share of my my time underway was not spent doing my job like i'd spend like an hour of day maybe sitting down with my cs2 that was running the division and just be like all right what do you need like <laughs> where are we at right. what do you need me to approve what do you need me to review what do you have questions about and then i'd kind of give them some marching orders and then go to the rack and rinse and repeat and um that's why like i i on the boat it's like i my experience and my yeah my level of knowledge to a degree but my experience and my managerial ability it was how we succeeded because CS2 right. knows a lot of the book answers, but he would come to me and be like, all right, here's the situation I'm in. What do I do? Like, how do I fix this problem? Be like, all right, well, give me the book. And he'll, he would show me where in the book it said these things. And then from experience, I would know that there's probably some more words in this book and this book. So let's go through it and look and see what it says now because it changes. Then based on, okay, so now we know what the policy is. Here's what we're going to do about it. Um, and create a, a strategy for attacking whatever problem or a plan for accomplishing the following things. Um, so, so that's the funny part though, right? Because in that same instance, like we were saying earlier, like you're expected to have that technical expertise right. and, and the institutional expertise, right? Like the big Navy expertise. Right. But then at some point the, as a cob, you're nobody expects, like if you're an A gang cob, and something's wrong with the diesel. Nobody's ever going to come. Not never. Yeah. But the idea Pretty is much. that you're not, you're not going to get racked out, and they're not going to say, "Yeah, Cobb, I just can't figure this out. What's the workaround for this?" Or, right. That's not going to happen, right? That's right. not your job. That's not the point of you being there. So, so at some point, the Navy understands and the world understands that 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 transition happens. But it's funny because it seems like that transition is expected to happen instantaneously when you check right. in as Cobb. Pretty much. But that's, and, and, but that's not a real thing, right? Like that, that, that transition happens gradually as you yeah. promote through. Right. So, right. so at some point like that, but people won't acknowledge that that's a fact until you put on the cookie. Like, so you check in as Cobb, you are the technical expert, which doesn't make sense because that doesn't jive with, realistically with what you do you know? yeah and that's kind of what i spent a lot of the time on my last boat doing was i was trying to put myself in positions where i was being challenged and learning and growing towards the cob job like because I, I right was, i was kind of worried i mean i'm always like this. yeah I'm a compulsive preparer but i like i wanted to put myself in positions so that i had some experience base to draw on when i was actually a cop because <laughs> it's like I was never a first lieutenant. I don't know all that stuff. So I was trying to get the exposure that I could. I still don't think I know enough, but I guess I'll figure it out when I get there and I'll get a book out and study and walk through with my first lieutenant and deck LPO and be like, teach me. But it's, I, I feel like 
there's a part of me on one side that feels like I shouldn't have to do that, that I should be afforded the experiences or there should be a school or something that teaches me those things. But at the, or, or that we allow me to transition from that technical expert into that, into that role as I qualify. Right. That, and some of that is built into the qual process that I don't feel like is treated that way. Like if you read the, the charges, like the PQS, it's, it's got the, 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 OQE checkout type thing on there, but it's not always like I was a top side line handler supervisor, so that magically means I know everything, apparently. So it's like, here, sign, sign right. this, sign this, sign this. Okay. Yes, I'll figure it out. Yeah, it, it, it it's just an interesting dichotomy. And, I, and, and the more I keep thinking about it, a lot of that stuff you talked to Paul about was like, it's just, the, I feel like a lot of that literature is a little either out of date or a little uh the bar is set a little high for what is expected and maybe i'm just bad at what i do and that's very possible and i that would not be the first time i've been told that but i i so it is possible that uh i'm just wrong um but i feel like in a realistic world in 2020 like that's a an unrealistic and not just unrealistic but like an unnecessary position to to be in like to expect somebody to be in yeah right like if i was if i was going to be that much of the expert at everything that i did and be that institutional expert and have all these like just immediately that that was going to happen then i wouldn't i wouldn't be a chief like i'd be a master chief or above you know like (laughs) i i i'd be further in the chain for me to for me to expect somebody to have that level of of knowledge and expertise in all of those fields, I I would expect more. I would expect somebody higher up in the chain, yeah. and and I understand that that's it's that's a uh, saying higher in the chain is is kind of that's another like one of those things I think is indicative of where we come from on a submarine. Like I feel like on a submarine, there's only really two ranks. Like you have E six and below, and E seven and above. And the in between doesn't really matter. It's like, are you qualified to stand the watch? Yeah, <laughs> cool. And and outside of that, we look at we don't treat it quite the same, right? We don't micromanage, yeah. not micromanage, but we don't have the bodies to spread things down to like the chief talks to the LPO, and then the LPO talks to the work center supervisor, and that's his job is just doing the maintenance, and then this guy does uh, this thing, and then and it works its way down to where you have like a seaman reporting to a, a third class or second class. And then he's reporting to the first, like none of that happens right. on a submarine at least. Right. It's too small that all the divisions are too not, small. Yeah. Like, not rigidly. The, anyway. the biggest division that you have, that's not a thing. Like there's, there's the overhead of, of managing something like that would be worse than just doing the job. Like sure. The chief is going to tell the first class that, Hey, this is what needs to happen for the day. And, He's going to generally make sure it happens right, but like the chief's not going to get mad that the he walks by and the third class says, "Oh, hey, chief, I got this taken care of." Like he's not going to. Well, did you tell the first class or right? Like that, nobody cares. That's not a thing, yeah. right? So, yeah. so when I say like just not just a chief, but you know, because I'm sure you saw uh, J Bell's post about that, right? Yeah, but, yeah. But so, so I'm not saying like it's it's not an important rank or anything but it's it's 
in my mind to expect that level of perfection like you're still uh, yeah that's upper two-thirds but that's not even like (laughs) that's only of the enlisted side right like that doesn't even count officers so like I would expect somebody to be that's that good to be much higher up the chain than right. And, and it, but what's what's the it's it's the unattainable standard is for me is the the tipping point is like when you're saying technical and institutional expertise and I got to lead and I got to do all these other things. It's like I can't stay on the cutting edge of technical expertise because even for a career field like mine where bread has been baked the same way since <laughs> forever 1202 the, and, yeah the instructions change every five minutes so it's like yeah as policies change and like all the admin and the financials and all this crap all the requirements of what we do changes all the time as all those things happen i need to be paying attention to that and for me to pay attention to that and pay attention to how all the navy programs change every five seconds and pay attention to uh all of the submarine specific stuff that I have to do and still be a competent watch sander and be able to run my watch section and freaking do zone inspections and spot checks and, and um, learn how to be a cob. And I mean, I was the freaking assistant ships diving officer. So now I'm like the subject matter expert on dive stuff. Are you serious? Like go look at a volume <laughs> seven and then tell me I'm supposed to stay on the cutting edge of all these things. And like, like how, when, when am I supposed to do all the things that I'm expected to do? And it's not, I'm not, I don't feel like it's a cop out. Yeah. I just, I don't feel like it's a cop out. I feel like it's like, Hey, we've just, we've just, we're misguided in the, in the way we've set the bar like there. I think you could accomplish the same things by spreading the things out and by kind of targeting the responsibilities differently. Even, even in that, I think you could look at something. I've always had this idea in the back of my head. I had this nuke mechanic. We called him Biff. He's a great dude. Uh, and he looks exactly <laughs> like a Biff. Like, so he's, he was just awesome. But he was a guy that nuke mechanic first class, right? He'd been in about 18 years mm-hmm. and uh, he didn't want to be, which an is LPO. impressive. Yeah. He didn't want to be an LPO. He didn't want to be a chief. He didn't want to do any of that stuff. He's just a big goofy dude that loves turning a wrench. And he's like, that's when I'm happy to, happiest. He's like, I just want to fix stuff. He's like, I love turning a wrench. And uh, I was talking to him about it. And I'm like, I don't, I've never understood why we've resisted that where you've got this guy that is a technical expert that loves nothing more than troubleshooting a problem and fixing it. Like he just wants to turn a wrench. Why can't I just pay him more money to stay in the same pay grade and turn a wrench? Like, yes, there are certain components that I'll expect a guy that sticks around that long to pick up a little more responsibility, maybe the management and planning of the things that involve turning a wrench, but then he just goes and turns a wrench and mentors the younger mechanics and all those other things. But I've never understood why it's been almost like penalized. And I, and I see the paradigm shifting just a little bit where they're, they're talking about there's certain jobs in like the officer career field now where you can like top out at a 03 or 04 and just do your whole career there because it's like a specialized area where they don't want you to advance past a certain level. They just want you in there doing that job, being an expert at it. And I've kind of always thought about that. Like, why can't we just have expert technicians that are like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm, I don't want to do the leadership thing. I just want to do the technician thing because I know a lot of people that are happiest in that place. And we obviously always have a need for senior 
expert technicians, but then we also have a demand for people that can manage and lead people. And I think that like you can transition into the leadership and management role, have a strong base and experience foundation in that career field. So that's why you're the chief of that division. But I also have this guy over here that is an expert technician that I can go to when I have expert technician questions, like where he's on the, he's the guy that I'm going to rely on for the exact answers on how we're going to go about doing this exact maintenance item. But when it comes to big picture planning and allocation of resources and personnel and everything, like I'm, I'm the big picture guy, you know? And it's like, well, I've never understood why career progression wise, we haven't allowed those, like those off ramps for people sometimes because, and I know the argument would probably be inventory and somebody would look at their spreadsheet and get mad at me, but uh, yeah, it's somebody had a good, Somebody in the class earlier, and, and I don't know all the truth and behind it or all the details. I haven't really researched into it, but somebody had made a point of uh, uh, in the Canadian Army, mm-hmm. and got it, it's not the same, um, yeah. but in the Canadian Army, like higher tenure doesn't exist. Like if you want to be that dude digging a ditch for 20 years because you're right. happy doing it, then do it. Yeah. If you want, if you want the next rank and then and you pursue that, then then we'll sure you're gonna achieve it yeah right but if you're happy with where you are then just keep doing what you are which which is an interesting mindset because along with what you're saying like that i i feel like that would be beneficial to the navy outside of you know somebody's gonna make it to chief and say well i'm totally happy just being a chief and then some first class is stuck who wants to advance and there's not enough room and and i and i got that but i i wonder how much of that would balance itself out naturally because i feel like a majority of people are not going to want to be like yeah i'm just totally happy being an e3 for 20 years and doing chipping and grinding forever right that's probably not going to happen the i i would imagine the stagnation would probably be around the e6 e7 level um yeah I, w- I would think there'd be simple ways to circumvent that. And I would think too, that like the inventory issue counter argument would be like, you'd need less chiefs because if I'm just managing people and doing leadership stuff, like I could, there, I could be the chief of supply. You know what I mean? You could have almost like six department chiefs or six department level type chiefs to manage all of those divisions instead of the however 15 to 20 that we have for every single division. Yeah, it, it, and like I said, there's there's some of that Manning piece, and and I don't know enough to know right. I, I don't how know. they handle that, right? <laughs> like maybe they just say, "Hey, just deal with it." Advancement sucks to get to this point, like, and that's just a, a thing that they that's just a way of life that they deal with in in their military. Um, but I don't see, uh, I don't see the problem with that, and I feel like that's generally contrary to how the navy like the navy is not okay with you just staying where you are if you're happy right you know they think if you're good and you're happy at it like wouldn't you be happier being the next rank up and making more money like right but you're you're right but your job is continually going to change right as you do that and and that's forced upon you whether or not you want it and you have people that you know intentionally christmas tree their exams or whatever the case is because they don't want to make the next rank which is unfortunate that the navy forces you to do that when if they 
want to sign something that just says, no, I'm good skipping this one. Like I'm fine where I'm at. Then I don't see why they shouldn't. And I get there's some, I'm sure somebody's going to tell feedback and say like, well, technically you don't have to, whatever. I think you do. Aside from I'd have to look it up, but uh, outside of that, there's still, I've heard both. So, but either way, like the, the general mindset I would still argue is that no, you're going to go take it. You're going to advance if you're good at what you do. And we had a sailor like that on my first ship who he came in. Um, and it was funny because he was, you know, your E3 guy when he showed up, uh, maybe he made third. Um, he was a nav ET and he had a doctorate and was a previous instructor at a college teaching yeah. something totally unrelated, but like he was, you know, old as dirt for his rank. He, <laughs> he was just like, he outqualified everybody and everything. Anytime anybody had any sort of like technical question involving like his field, whatever it was that he was an expert in, but the guy had like five degrees. Yeah. And, you know, and there's I, ha- that I had a, person. a very similar, he was a, it was like Irish history and like, Oh, he, uh, no, this guy had like history. Like, yeah, this guy was, this guy had like legitimate, like math degrees and something like he was a really smart guy, but it was like, it was one of those like, why? So, okay. So you have a doctorate. Um, and just to be a jerk, he would sign everything with his name and rank doctor, right? He would write S U. And then at the end he would write PhD. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, Hey, dude, I'm not going to, you earned the daylights that like, that's not something yeah. easy to get. So I would write that too every time. But, <laughs> but um, it was like, well, why didn't you go be an, an officer? Like you're yeah. a doctor. That's got to count for something. And he's like, no, I've, I wasn't, I was an instructor or a professor or whatever at this college and at this college. And, and he's like, I've done that. I've, I've been in charge of things for a decade. He's like, I don't want to be in charge of anything. He's like, I, he literally looked at it as like the Navy would be like a fun four year summer camp where he could go just get told to go clean something and yeah. have fun and just be happy <laughs> doing it. Yeah. It was like a four year science experiment for him. That's funny. And, and so it was like, Hey, you made third, you need to go qualify these things. And he's like, I didn't want to make third. You told me to take this exam. Like, I don't yeah. want any of this. <laughs> like you can't force this on me because that's not what I want to do. And and it was frustrating because he was great. He would he would do anything you asked. He was smart. He was right. a working guy. But that, he just did not have that goal. Yeah. And, and it what's the argument people. there? That's because it's such an interesting case. It's like it's not like he doesn't have a work ethic or he's not driven to accomplish things. He's just right. like he wanted to come in and just be a bottom rung guy for four years and then roll out. And it's like, how do you argue with that specific person? on yeah. that point because it's like he's like the perfect person to stand there and, and dig his heels in and be like nah i don't want to do that and then it's but why like, does it only have to be four years why couldn't right. you do an entire career right right i mean I, there's a there's a balance i would say be, between like there's you got to support the watch bill and like for your pay grade but it's like if you want to do however many years as an e4 it's like as long as you're qualified whatever like radar and and sticks or something or like right. quarter, through quartermaster and then that's it it's like if that's where you want to stop okay like i whatever i like i don't think there sh- it should be a problem as long as he's as he progresses through his time he's becoming a more like a higher level expert at what he does but he's right. even if he stays in that in that area you 
know what I mean? Where he's doing, he's standing quartermaster. He better be the best quartermaster I've ever seen in my life. But it's like, that's, <laughs> but that's what I, I mean, I want that. I want the best quartermaster exactly. ever to be standing quartermasters. So like, I don't have a problem with it at all. As long as they continue to hone their craft and, and maintain, like they're not just getting lazy. And, and if they're the best quartermaster you've ever seen, do you really care what's on his collar? No, not at all. Exactly. So I, I don't see the downside. Like I understand I don't like, the the expectation of getting better, but yeah. it was just it was interesting when when he brought up that that mindset of like yeah. you have guys that that show up into these positions as as a chief or a first, and it's like, dude, I'm just here because I I like I'm sure I'm good at my job, and the command said, hey, show up and take this test, so I took it and I did well enough and I advanced, but like I didn't. I'm not trying to do any of this stuff, you know, and that happened. And, and obviously I'm sure like Corman out there twitching, right? Because yeah. They're just, they're like, fighting for up. like 0.06% advancement. Or right. Something. And I, and I, I totally get it. And I sympathize. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't bad. create but, the advancement system and I think right. it could be way better. It's just, this right, right, right. I know that I'm over here like complaining yeah. from a, a very privileged position, but, <laughs> but it, I don't, um, I don't see I've got a good friend who's a corpsman who got out because of higher tenure because of that and he loved his job he was great yeah. he's just about to finish his nursing degree because he still loves that field and still does that but it's like if if you would have told him he could have stayed in he gladly would have I'm sure right but uh, he he wasn't able to because the Navy said no and it's like well but why like if he's good at what he's doing and he's happy like now you're starting from scratch with somebody to replace him. Paying to train them and do yeah. it. And then you got to wait for them to get the level of experience to be as good if they're going to be as good. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. I agree. It doesn't make any sense at all. I have a kid sitting in my office right now that is a, uh, he's a CSS now, but he was a CT, I forget what flavor uh, he told me. That's an interesting jump. Yeah, he was a CT and it was just like a PTS force conversion type thing where there was his year group was way overmanned and they force converted him and we're just I'm like, let me get this right. <laughs> you converted <laughs> a kid from being a CT to or was it an I was it an IS? He might have been an IS. I can't remember. It was an Intel related thing. I think yeah. it was a CT though. Some kind of some some flavor of CT. Um and I mean, like the type of stuff he talks to me about he that he used to do. And I'm just like, even if you were mediocre at this, the amount of training, like the amount of money it would it would cost to train somebody to right. do what he was talking about. I'm just like, that's absolutely absurd that they would. And I'm not knocking my own career field. I love my people, but I'm just saying, like, it takes a lot of time and effort to train somebody at the level of what he was doing. And it's very specialized to the Navy and blah, blah, blah. And then you're going to throw all that away to fill some, like turn Scrim some legs. red to green on a spreadsheet. Like, like really? That's what we're doing now. It was nuts. And I was, he, I couldn't believe it. And he, he's telling me like a lot of his buddies are chiefs and stuff. And cause they got to stay in their source rating. Right. And he, cause he, he tells me, he's like, yeah, if I was still a CT, I'd be a chief right now. I'm like, wow, well, you think you'd be a chief right now? Like that's a, it's not guaranteed, right. but I mean, he's, he's probably not that far off, you know, like I cross rated two guys early on. Like they did their first like four years in the Navy as CSs on my last, not my 
not my last boat, but the one before that. Um, first four years in the Navy as a CS, and then I cross-rated both of them to CTs, and they're Chiefs right now. Um, within the last two years, they both made Chief, and I'm just like, I... It, it blows my mind that so I cross-rated two guys from being cooks to be CTs and now they're chiefs. And I get that all the different types of CTs, their advancement quotas are different, but, and they go off this year group thing. And I'm just like, why can't you just slide one guy from one year group to another year group and just be like, we fixed it. <laughs> like, I don't understand why you're willing to throw away years of training uh, to slide a guy from one spot to another spot so that you're, your group math balances out it does yeah that's all being that's all being counter yeah way above me yeah and i but i'm like come on man convince me like i i'm sure there's plenty that i don't know about manning like management up at the pers level but come on like you can't i can't fathom an explanation that i'd be like oh yeah no totally i get it now like i can't i don't see that at all like you you moved a kid from a career field that he wanted to continue to do. He was apparently decent at, and uh, it took a bunch of expensive specialized training to get him to where he was when you converted him to a career field that we have 25 training days at a school. And then we throw him to the fleet. Oh, by the way, you can just strike the rate and not ever go to a school as long as you make right. third class off the exam. Like that's how seriously they take food service, uh, food service in the Navy. So it's like, I, I'm not, again, I'm not knocking my own job. I could go on a whole rant about like why I think that our A school should be three to six months long and blah, 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 but it's never going to happen. Uh, right. And that's, if we're looking at it by the, the, how they weight the importance of each job, I'm just like, come on, man. Like, I'd get, like the, keeping a kid in that career field would have made a lot more sense to me, but I don't know. Uh, what do you think about uh, wrapping this thing up, man? Yeah, I was just gonna say we've been going for a while. I'm waiting yeah. for my. Uh, I'm gonna my get a whole bunch of waking up soon. So I'm gonna get a whole bunch of comments about how long we talked. It happens. Boohoo! I'm over it. Stop listening yeah, man. sooner. Yeah, they probably would have stopped listening already anyway. So that's why I like the comments I get from some. I listen to the first ten minutes and you suck. And I'm like, well, why don't you listen to the everything that happens after that and then tell me if you still hate it? And if you do, that's fine. Don't listen anymore. Um, yeah, man, this was, this was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, we'll definitely do it again. I'm just, I, I plan on, uh, especially as we get more stuff out and you're able to digest it, just kind of almost like a recap, just come back on and we'll talk through it. Like, yeah, you listen to it, get your perspective on it. And, and I'm getting a lot more of, uh, as I get the people on, they're like kind of doing what you did the whole time where they're like saying, well, yeah, like you said in this one, and we'll talk about points that were made, but I think it'd be cool to almost do like, I hesitate to say it out loud because it makes me cringe, but like hot wash it, like kind of go back and look <laughs> at it and be like, you know, Hey, what, what, what did you think about these points and that point, whatever. Um, I think there's value to be had in those conversations too. So. Yeah, no, I'm all about it. I I'm a, I'm a career peanut gallery kind of guy. So I'm good it. at that. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks man. I appreciate you doing this again and I'm sure we'll do it again in the future. Yeah. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that it's always fun talking with them to work. It helps me to have somebody to talk to, to work through thoughts and uh, bounce stuff off of. So it's, it's cool to do. Uh, and then obviously he's always got good stuff to talk about on his end of it. I'm trying to convince him to do his own podcast, but I'm glad we got that one done. I'm sure we'll do another one. Uh, and then coming up, we got a couple of pretty cool episodes. I did one with a, uh, 
Naval Special Warfare guy, and then I did one with a uh, BMC that you've probably seen the video going around. It's uh, his name's Jeff Bayless. Uh, it's a really cool story. If you haven't seen that, I shared the video on the Facebook page, so check that out. Uh, and you'll see that episode coming up soon. Uh, if you need anything from us, hit us up. Don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message me. Don't give up the ship podcast, or you can DM me on Instagram or Reddit at D guts podcast, uh, or D guts podcast on both Reddit and, uh, and Instagram. And then, uh, if you want to support us financially, not a for-profit enterprise, but we do have bills. Uh, you can go to D guts podcast.com slash shop. We got t-shirts, stickers, magnets, stuff like that. Uh, you get something cool and then it helps us, uh, helps us pay the bills. It's dgutspodcast.com slash shop. And then finally, uh, I should probably start saying this at the beginning, but, uh, like share, subscribe, rate us on iTunes, everything. It, it helps get the message out. We don't got the money to advertise. So all those things, uh, if you can do it, when you do it, it helps out, uh, getting, getting the, uh, platform some exposure. So we always appreciate that. And that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. 